Good, you're good. All right. Yes. Uh, All right. Shall we start it off? Yes. All right. How's it going, everyone? Welcome back to Pandemic Lounge. Hi. I am Keeks Cosplay and Art, and above me, or if you guys are listening to this, I'm also I'm also with. I am Brian Wolfgang. Yep. And we, and of course, if you guys don't know, this is our another uh, couple. Uh, pandemic lounge sorry if we've been a little bit off um 2021 like 2020 has kind of been biting us both in the ass like we've been wanting to i i, I can't speak for ryan here but uh for me I've, i wanted to put out more content but like the struggles of the world and uh people uh co-workers and a job can kind of do that to you uh yes, much, you a little bit much more adult responsibilities that we must and being an adult sounds terrible, <laughs> but no, 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 no. Being an adult is actually teaches you to be a little bit more mature and realize that when you were a kid, you probably, if you did make mistakes when you were a kid, you probably were an idiot as a kid or something like that. Yes. That, that I digress. That I digress. Don't misquote me on that. Being an uh, adult, you're going to learn things as you are. Mm-hmm. But yeah. That's our and, PSA. Yeah. But in case if you guys forgot how Ryan and I, uh, Ryan Wolfgang and I do this, we do, we have a couple topics that we've talked about that we've heard in the last couple months. And we kind of sit down and we discuss about it and discuss our opinions about it and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. like um, for my topics, I've got to talk a couple bit about this because number one on my list is the Nintendo Direct, which I've heard some really good things that have came from that video. Um, Number two has to do with Jurassic World Evolution 2 because um, I've watched the, uh, the director diaries and stuff like that of what when the story takes place for the game and what the environments are going to be like and what the purpose of that game is really going to be compared to number one. And um, the third topic for me is going to be because, based is for a, a fan fiction story. And I, yes, I said it. It is classified as a fan fiction but keep an open mind. Keep an open mind with this when I'm when I discuss it because it's not it's not a typical fan fiction where they just ignore everything and it's just kind of like uh, blur. This I actually worked really really hard on. It's a I, it's it's been like it's over a year old. But anyway, and then my last topic, uh, Ryan and I will actually be talking together this time about our opinions about it. We're going to be discussing a documentary that I recently watched again to understand some things that I didn't understand when I was younger called, you guys may have heard of it. It's, it's the 2013 CNN's Blackfish. Yes. Um, saying, that, saying that name doesn't really, it, it's, a, it's a bad taste in my mouth because it's not really a fish, it's a mammal. But anyway, <laughs> I digress. All right, Ryan, <laughs> what are your topics? Ah, uh, yes. My topics <clears throat> are... Shang-Chi, then The Legend of the Ten Rings. I'm going to be talking about it. I'm going to be reviewing it. Probably not spoiler review. I'll keep an eye out for that. Of this. On this podcast. Because I don't want to make a separate video about it. And probably a classic what we've been watching. Where we go over what we've been watching for the last couple months. Yeah, recurring podcast topic that we do every podcast um, called "What We've Been Watching." Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Even I forgot that. I'm an idiot. 
So who wants to go first? I think you should go first, Keegan. Cause... All right, I, I'll go first. I'll, I, I've seen like a couple of the, the Nintendo Direct. Um, in case if you guys don't know that the Nintendo Direct actually came, um, I'm actually, um, if you guys don't know, I'm looking on both screens right now. I've got, um, um, I'm talking with Ryan, but I'm also looking at the Nintendo Direct just so that I don't get my information a little bit wrong or anything. And um, in case if you guys don't know, the Nintendo Direct video came out on September 23rd, 2001. Um, that's four days after, um, after it came out. By the time of recording, this is four days after it came out. Um, and we're already, and I'm already seeing some things that have been, have been brought to my attention because of thumbnails. And people said to me, you got to see this. You, I know this is one of your favorite games, so you got to see this. Of course, um, Monster Hunter Rise has a new update. I'm not really thrilled with Rise in terms of graphics and story-wise. I know it's a new direction for the game franchise, but I'm sorry. World just killed it. World and number four, Monster Hunter, just killed it. In case you guys don't know, I'm a big Monster Hunter fan. I've played the games ever since I was a kid. And I still think number four and, and World are my favorites. But yeah, I digress. But anyway, um, of course, when I was going through the Nintendo Direct, they were actually explaining a whole bunch of things. Of course, they were explaining like, uh, Square Enix was going to have a Chocobo, and, um, and I kid you not, um, what is I think what is it called? Chocobo J- GP, if I'm correct, Ryan. I don't know if you yeah, Chocobo GP, I believe it is. Yeah, I I, ne- I I I think it's a new character in the Mario Kart, I believe. No, it's in Square. It's a Final Fantasy Mario Kart. Oh oh. Okay, okay, that, that that makes sense when I'm I'm looking at it right now, just reviewing it and stuff. Yeah, it's basically just Mario Kart, but with uh, Square Enix characters. That's what it looks like, like to me. Final Fantasy characters. Yeah, I mean, I mean, okay, it looks like the same engine as Mario. I I, I hate to I hate to compare a game to another game, but I, I don't want to be too discreditful of it. Yeah, uh, but it looks it, like but, Mario Kart. <laughs> I mean, it's fun. It's different, and basically. I. I mean, we all, it, but I mean, seeing it back to us because you and I, like everyone else probably that we know, we've all played Mario Kart and Mario Kart was fun. It was just fun. You, we had the blue shells, we had uh, bullet bills, we had uh, a whole bunch of stuff. But Miyamoto himself explaining is pretty cool too. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, I'm still skimming through as I'm like seeing what uh, they have to offer and stuff like that. And I am actually kind of glad. And, and as I'm like, I won't really spoil so much, but I'll really tell you like my sum up of what it is um, that I'm seeing. I was actually really excited to see Kirby get a game of finally. Yes, I was Kirby like, in the Forbidden Lands, I believe it is. I believe it is. It, it, and now, correct me if I'm wrong, it looks like it's the first 3D Kirby game. Basically, Kirby Super Mario Odyssey. Pretty much. Yeah, that's, that's what it looks. That's what it looks like to me. I mean, I can tell. Yeah, it's it's Nintendo, obviously. So Nintendo's obviously going to have. You're going to see the friendly side of Nintendo as we always do, I, and that's what I loved about Nintendo. Like, I think the first console for me to ever play it was the the Game Boys. Any anyone remember those days? Yes, <laughs> the Game Boys? we do. Yeah. Oh my god. Pokemon, Pokemon Red and Blue. I still have them. I still have no, the games. No. I'm, I'm thinking of donating them or selling them or something. Like people will go nuts for those games. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, I'm trying to sell my Pokedex, my Sinnoh region Pokedex, believe it or not. I, I want to I wanna see if I can, but it's a little damaged, so I want to see if I can get rid of it. But anyway, um, 
yeah, this looks pretty cool. Um, like, of course, it's Kirby. I've known the character as well. He was pretty awesome. He's been pretty awesome. He's, you know, he's absorbed, he absorbs powers and he, he gets their power. And he, uh, I mean, this looks, this looks really good. I feel like it's a great refresher for Kirby, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, I really, 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 really want to see uh, Kirby in a 3D game now. Uh, I want to see him in more 3D games now. And it's coming out, of course, in spring of 2020, next year, of course. 2022. Uh, okay, now, yeah. And now moving on to the next topic as we do it. Um, yeah, we're getting Mario Golf Super Rush. And I don't know how I feel about this that. This is I, just basically updates for Mario, Kart, or Mario Golf Super Rush. I have the okay. game. I mean, that, 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 that makes sense. I'm, I'm not a big Mario go. I mean, if it comes to spinoff games that Mario has been a part of, like Super Mario Bros., I'm like, um, one of my favorite spinoffs of, Mar- of Mario's story was Bowser's Inside Story for the 3DS that had a good story. It turned Mario uh, and Luigi, and you play as Bowser as well, into a turn-based fight- fighting game, which is awesome. Yep. And it was pretty cool. It was new for me, and I liked it because you got to play as Bowser. You got these cool, unique abilities as well, along with Mario and Sonic. So it's actually pretty cool, and this looks uh, pretty awesome. Now, I want to actually get to what we've got for the online and plus the new Connect with a new Connect with a new membership plan, which is actually Yes, cool. well, we've all been waiting for the expansion and- pack. And now, and now that I see it, I'm like, oh my god! I can understand why people were freaking out. I see the Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time opening scene when it opens up, and I'm seeing Mario 64, which is actually one of the first Mario games I played with my brother, my older brother. Yes, yes. And I have Doctor Mario and Star Fox. Oh my god! Yeah, I'm sorry if I'm doing this because I'm I'm reviewing what it is because I don't want to miss. And they brought Mario Mario 64. Oh my god, Ryan, we're gonna have a lot of fun. Hey, I need to go switch now. Yes, get a Switch. You must get a Switch. I, the, the, the thing is, I keep hearing updates of what they're doing with the Switch. And Mario Tennis 64. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, that, 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 that's, that's going to be a rage. That's going to be a rage if, I, if, we, if we play Mario Tennis. <laughs> I mean, remember when uh, you and I, back in the day, we watched Smosh games when they played Mario Tennis? <laughs> How much rage uh, they had <laughs> over playing yeah. this Mario Dennis. <laughs> and of course, they're bringing some stuff back for the Sega Genesis, of course, like Sonic the Hedgehog, Echo the Dolphin. I remember Echo the Dolphin. Echo the Dolphin was actually a very fun game for me to play. One thing, though, dude, I'm so excited about Star Fox 64. Getting, oh, absolutely. Playing that again. Mm. Absolute, absolutely, man. I remember that game. It was, I, 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 the first time I ever remember seeing Star Fox level, I remember seeing my brother playing a level of Star Fox. And, um, my older brother um and i i didn't know what it was called but it looked freaking cool and then when i saw the game star fox and they sh- start showing gameplay of it i'm like oh my god i remember it now i didn't know what the fucking name was of the thing and i was like yeah. oh my god and we're gonna have majora's mask that's gonna be lovely oh is this oh my god there's gonna be so much and pokemon's okay it's and guess what it's gonna have pokemon snap f-zero x kirby 64 the crystal shards Paper Mario, Kazooie. Oh man! And oh, and wait, can you play with an N sixty four controller and a Sega Genesis controller? Oh my God! Return of the Classics. 
Rattan. Oh, the classic. Okay, you know what? I might have to get that N64. Yes. Or controller. I might oh, have to get that. Must get Switch. I, I, before I get the Switch, I'm actually going to have to plan. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save up some allowance, my, my, more of my allowance money. That I'm still I'm getting a really good raise. I actually just got a raise, uh, a really good raise, uh, a little bit not, not too long ago. But I'm, I'm going to see if I can pop in Best Buy or something and find that controller. That way I can get... Um, I think I, it's just for online members. Exactly. And, then, and that's why I'm only seeing online. But still, either way, I, I, I think I still have an N, my, N, my brothers. My brother and I, we still have our N64. I don't know if it works or not because we haven't... Uh, <laughs> we have uh, yeah. uh, taken it out of the box in a while. But yeah. there's plenty to play on these questions. Oh, my God. Miyamoto, I love you, but that, yeah, the fact, okay, the fact that a bunch of returning games are coming back is going to be really great, uh, especially Alcarina of Time. I'd love to play that on that just because, even though I have it for the N64, I'd love to play it with my, bro- my older brother again and see if he is as good as he was in the past. But yeah, and uh, I'm, sk- I'm, sk- I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but um, of let's course- Let's hope that we're getting GoldenEye for- Online Oh, here's hoping, yeah. Here's hoping that. I'd hope that too. But now, um, I think what I really, really want to talk about is what is coming from Monster Hunter. It's the new update they had. There's one more thing, though, dude. What's up? Uh, the Mario Brothers movie casting. Did yeah. you hear about that? Or, it's in the I video. saw a picture. Actually, now that you say that, I saw a picture... Um, I, oh, actually, I'm looking at the cast right now. I think, yeah, Chris Pratt gonna be Mario. Yeah, Chris Pratt. I, uh, oh my god. Um, why is this a thing? <laughs> you sounded like Lasercorn for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. Actually, you know what? I'm actually willing to give Chris Pratt a chance to be Mario because but, number okay, one, I'll off my name in the movie. But yeah. they don't have him as Mario. Okay, yeah, yeah. For for any of you who didn't watch the Nintendo Direct, or if you you didn't watch it on YouTube or, or on Nintendo's channel, um, they they have announced there is going to be a Super Mario Brothers movie. I'm wondering how that's going to be done, um, because Sonic the Hedgehog movie was amazing. Yeah. So it's going to bring back the Nintendo versus Sega again. <laughs> If, if this if this movie does do good, if this movie does do good, well, oh, speculation though, Smash Brothers Cinematic Universe, Smash Brothers Cinematic Universe, hey, why not? <laughs> I mean, all right, all right, all right, but we're, we're, but all in seriousness, this Chris Pratt's going to be Mario. I actually want to give him a chance because I I think the first time I ever saw him, Guardians of the Galaxy one, uh, yeah, did that come first before uh, Jurassic World? Yeah. yeah 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 okay yeah yeah he was he was silly as star lord and or as quill in um uh guardians of the galaxy i really really liked the seriousness of owen grady he played in jurassic world and jurassic world 2 he he still had a little comedy but he was but he uh when he was serious about serious moments he was serious and i i, I like that i i like that from his character and I've also watched him in the Tomorrow War, and oh, oh my God, Ryan! I, I highly suggest anyone if you guys haven't watched Tomorrow War, if you have Amazon Prime, 
Get on Amazon Prime and watch the Tomorrow War. Okay, I'm gonna have to watch that tomorrow. It is War absolutely thing. 100% worth watching. It is incredible. It was actually a lot better than what I thought it was gonna be for an Am- for an Amazon movie. It's absolutely one of the best up there for me. Yeah, it, it looks like you, this could have been published in theaters, and it would it still would have been amazing. Yeah, but yeah, okay. Uh, moving on to the next character, um, we got Anna. Is that how you say Anya Taylor Joe as Peach? I can see her as a Princess Peach. She's got the she's got the face for it. But um, I don't know this person really well. Let me actually like look her up real quick. Even though, yeah, sorry guys, if we're doing this <laughs> right now. Um, yeah, but I wanted to talk about it, guys, because I wanted to get. King's reactions to the cast of Mario, the yeah. Mario movie. Yeah, I'm gonna see. I'm gonna look up her her IMDb page real quick. Okay, she's in Queen's Gambit. I've seen Queen's Gambit. It's pretty cool. The Witch. I've seen that. The New Mutants. I have actually seen. Oh my god. Yeah. And I haven't seen Morgan, but yeah, I, I know. I know her in some others. Yeah, she's in the Super Mario Brothers movie. It's in pre-production, but it's planned for next year. Oh, she's actually got a couple. Um, this is INDB, but apparently it's updated right now. But um, she's in a she's going to be in a movie called Furiosa now. And in case you got, I actually do remember her now. She played uh, Furiosa in the Mad Max movie, but it looks like this might be a prequel movie. Um, it's a, yep, it's an origin story of the renegade warrior Furiosa before she teamed up with Mad Max in Fury Road. So there we go. Oh, cool. Yeah, I didn't know there was going to be a prequel to Fury Road. I'm excited for that. I mean, yeah, it's not going to have uh, the Mad Max who we all love, but it's going to have a character who we know who is just as badass. And that's that's set for 2024. 20, so we've got like three more years until that movie gets done. But it's in post-production. So. Um, and apparently she's going to be uh, in a movie called The Menu. Don't know what that is, but it's filming right now. So uh, the last year I know, but yeah. Uh, the new mutant. I know her in the New Mutants. Um, Which I haven't anime. seen New Mutants. Oh, it's pretty good. It's worth watching, right? Okay. Yeah, I, I, I definitely suggest it to you. I, I definitely. Because after Dark Phoenix, I kind of just like fell off of the X Men universe until, you know, MCU. X-Men. Oh, you gotta read the you gotta read the comic of it. Actually, the comic is actually better from what I hear. But, yeah. Uh, Okay, so I, I can see her. I, it might be really interesting because of the serious role I've seen this actress in. It may be just a little... I, I'll keep an open mind. Like I said, I'll keep an open mind for her. I'll give her the chance because she was badass and Furiosa. So I'm pretty sure, unless they make Peach somehow a badass in this movie, that's going to flip the switch. Oh, yeah, like Emoji Movie with uh, the princess... Okay, Luigi is Charlie Day? Are you kidding me? From Always Sunny. Oh, yeah, Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I can see that, actually. It's perfect. That's perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, Uh, I'm sorry, guys, if you're not going to... We're not going to have a video reaction based on looking at the Nintendo Direct again, but... um. If for those of you audio listeners, uh, yeah, I'm blowing my mind because if you guys don't know Charlie Day, he is mostly known. Well, I mostly know him, and my and my father and dad mostly know my brother and father know him as um, a guy, a character that he plays. It's always Sunny in Philadelphia, oh, which yeah. is a very hilarious show. 
And yeah, it's cool. Watch Homie Studying Philadelphia. I didn't, I didn't know. If, I didn't know if you'd get that, Ryan, because I actually watched that, and it's actually pretty funny. I love Homie Studying Philadelphia. Now I can imagine what the he's perfect. He's he's a comedian kind of type of character, and it's perfect for him. I can only imagine what they will do for him. But yeah, okay. Jack Black as Bowser. That's weird. <laughs> that's gonna be okay. That's gonna be interesting. I mean, I've heard a lot of Jack. I've, I've seen a lot of movies with Jack Black in in it. I saw him in um, Peter Jackson's King Kong. Uh, I thought he was pretty cool in that movie. Um, and then tenacious theme. Huh? Tenacious theme. Yeah, that too. Uh, he played uh, Lenny <laughs> from Shark from Shark Tale, and I loved him playing Lenny. He played a he played a funny shark character. If, if you guys haven't watched Shark Tale, I highly suggest you watch it. It's the DreamWorks version of Finding Nemo. <laughs> Yeah, kind of basically. It's it's dumb but nostalgic at the same time. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, I'm kind of interested to hear how Jack Black, unless they're gonna, because we have to keep in mind, like, even though it is the voice actors, sometimes like voice modulators and voice sound effects will probably um, uh, buff the sound a little bit or something like that to make sure, like, is this who we think it is or is it like that? Now, here's the thing. If Jack Black's going to be in it, I have a feeling it's going to be a little funny. Yeah, Jack Black is just going to play Jack Black. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's almost like how Jim Carrey was perfect for Dr. Robotnik slash Dr. Eggman in the Sonic movie. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Uh, moving on. Um, Keegan-Michael Key as Toad? Okay, that's... Oh. I don't like that because gonna be like, why? Why do you not like that? I'm gonna ask is, you that straight up. Is right it there. gonna be Key and Peele, or is huh? it gonna be Toad? He's gonna, be, he toad. gonna be like, Emma, I'm Toad. <laughs> okay, remember Ryan. Remember Ryan. Mario never went to a rated T for teen or anything or immature. <laughs> now I imagine. Now I I have actually, I think I've seen this guy in a couple times. Keegan. Keegan-Michael Keegan. Um, Keegan let, me actually, let me actually look at the rules because I may have forgotten some rules. Oh, yes, that's right. I remember. Um, yeah, he was Keanu. Uh, Let's Be Cops. I've seen that, actually. That was awesome. He was in Tomorrow. He was Hugo in Tomorrowland. Oh, my God. I can't believe I forgot that. And, uh, yeah. He's, oh, he played a character named Cole in the Predator movie 2018. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, he's apparently doing some other things. Yeah, he's a voice actor. So, Judging by how it's saying on IMDb pre-production for Super Mario Bros, Toad voice definitely means it's going to be animated. It's going to be animated without a doubt. Yeah, it's going to be animated by Illumination, dude. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, my fucking God. I remember hearing a rumor about that. Yeah. Well, I'm an idiot. Yeah, I remember that Illumination... Illumination's going to not, not go wrong with that. They're going to do a good job at that. If they have done the Minions, Despicable Me which are really good works of animation by Illumination. De- absolutely. I, I, I have no doubt in my mind that's going to be good. I mean, other, other uh, roles he's played, he's played in Hotel Transylvania, of course. Uh, Jingle Jangle, yeah. Home Movie, The Princess Bride. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. He was the, uh, he was the uh, fourth dimensional cop in uh, the Rick and Morty series. I, I can't believe I forgot about that. He's the guy like, you don't 
for time. Time travel, motherfucker. I got something for your ass right here. That's the that's that, that's the exact lines that I'm putting in that episode where he's like, "What the? Your time is over. What the hell? You broke your time twice." Okay. Now that now that I said the lines and now that I hear it, makes me wonder what that's gonna be like for him when he's um, gonna voice uh, Toad. Now, depending on how the rating of this movie is gonna be, that's the thing. They still, I still it's think it's gonna be for kids, but that's pretty cool. I mean, yeah. All right. Okay, so we're having Donkey Kong. I mean, yes, technically true. Donkey Kong was part of the Mario <sighs> franchise. Let's 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 be real here. Donkey Kong is. But even though he gets his own games, yeah. Anyway, Seth Rogen. I might actually... I'm surprised Donkey Kong's getting a voice actor. Because he's never been voiced in anything else. So, well, this might be interesting, actually. It might be interesting to think about, actually, because we don't really know a lot about Donkey Kong, still. I mean, like, they haven't really fleshed out his character. It was just... Back in the days when games were made, they never really made like backstories for these characters and stuff and now people want backstories and like what made them this way and stuff like that but anyway um yeah seth rogan i've heard i've i know seth rogan from a bunch of stuff um so i i i trust his acting ability he's pretty good at what he does yeah but yeah what do we else do we got we have charles martinez does he play anything um he's the voice actor for mario charles martinez Oh, he's the original he's voice be actor. A cameo. Oh, he's gonna be a can. Okay, then that, that makes sense. Multiple cameos. Yeah, keep in yeah keep in mind I don't have subtitles on and I'm watching this uh without volume so that I uh, get a grip. Okay, so um we're gonna have you know what I'm saying Mar- now that like they picked Chris Pratt over the original actor for Mario. Yeah, that unless they're gonna do something with the original voice actor of Mario. With Chris Pratt, uh, Chris Pratt's Mario. Like have Charles maybe Doctor Mario or something like that. Maybe that way or something. But anyway, okay, we got Kevin Mi- Kevin Michael Richardson as Kemic. Oh wait, is Kemic the uh, Koopa Wizard? That I think Koopa, Koopa Wizard, yeah, because he has the hat of the Koopa Wizard in his logo. That makes me think he may be the Koopa Wizard or Bowser's right hand man, the, that Koopa Wizard guy that always hands with him and then we got fred armson someone i don't really know uh who's gonna play cranky kong really isn't that a comedian oh if he that might be interesting actually a comedian voicing a monkey character that might be interesting and then we got sebastian Min- if i mispronounce his name i'm sorry Minis. i'm really sorry if i'm mispronouncing his name i'm trying to try and get this Meniscalo. Um, if I did mispronounce that, I apologize, but he's going to be a character called Spike. I don't know if I know a Spike. He's from... one of the Koopa kids. He's one of Ah, the... yeah. See, I don't remember the Koopa kids. I only remember yeah. the popular characters. But, okay, yeah. I, one I'm of interested. the children of Bowser. Okay, yeah. I, I, I'm interested. Okay, I'm hooked. I, I, I'll, I'll be interested to hear. But, okay, that, I guess that's going to be it for the cast already, for the main roles. But I'm kind of, like, hesitant about this movie. Yeah. Miyamoto says this is a very, I think this is Miyamoto talking, uh, this is a very collaborative project between Illumination and Nintendo. 
we've all been coming up with sorts of ideas and I myself am enjoying a creative process that is a little bit different from making games. Good to hear, man. Good to hear from the man himself, uh, Miyamoto. I, I believe this is Miyamoto that's talking, right, Ryan? Yeah, it's good to yeah. know because we know that in the 80s that mm-hmm. when they tried to make a Mario movie, it didn't go so well. We're, we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> no, like hell we're talking about that. Shite. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. Now it looks like there's uh, Splatoon things. I don't like Splatoon very much. Anyway, go back to the Monster Hunter talk or something. Yeah, I'm trying to find it. Like It's, it's not at the sh- beginning of the video. Oh, oh, it is. Okay. Yeah, I'll go back to the Monster Hunter. Um, yeah, so it looks like with this new Freedom t- title update, it's a new Elder Dragon. And honestly, it looks intimidating, but I'm, I'm, I'm really impressed with the design of it. But what abilities is this Elder Dragon going to have? Now, I'm an Elder Dragon Hunter boss because I've, I've mostly fought all these Elder Dragons solo. I, no, I kid you not, Ryan. Um, not in Monster Hunter Rise, Monster Hunter World, uh, four, uh, three, and from three on, from three onwards, I fought, I fought all the Elder Dragons solo because I grind, I grinded like a motherfucker. That's why I've been waiting for you to get a Switch because I want to play Monster Hunter Rise with you. Yeah, I know. I mean, we've, we've tried to play it on that PlayStation before. I mean, it's just like, I, I, there's a part of me that really doesn't want to get Rise just because of the graphics and like stuff like that. I wish I could mod it to make it look more beautiful. Just do it. Be like Nike. Hey, hey we're, if we're gonna edit, if if, if you're editing this, you better put that Shia Buff, that Shia Buff quote in there. <laughs> Just do it. Okay, so it's called the Sunbreak. Okay, Break. not a bad logo, but it's but it's coming out summer next year, so I've still got time. Make your dreams come true. <laughs> I actually saw I they actually used uh, uh, okay off topic a little bit, but they actually used that quote from Shia Buff for a tsunami. Uh, Ad, uh, it was and it had Shia Buff. We we gotta see it and then we gotta see it. I'll send you the link later. Yeah, it, and I, I don't want to hear your reaction to it. <laughs> All right. Okay. So yeah, okay, that's pretty much it for Nintendo Direct for me. Oh oh, one more last thing. Um, I know this is gonna be a very hesitant thing to talk about, guys, but uh, I really gotta talk about um how Bayonetta three was just revealed and Bayonetta looks awesome. <laughs> I agree. The trailer looks awesome and the graphics look great, but I, I mean, haven't. Yeah, she. I'm looking at up on the right story. They redesigned her entirely. Yeah, yeah. They they redesigned her entirely. In case I remember, in the first game, she had long hair. Now she's got short short hair in the second one, and now she's back to what she looks like when she was a child as well. And there's also in case of you, so in case of you guys don't know, sorry if I'm going a little bit off topic with this uh, for you audio listeners. I'm trying to clarify as much as you can what we're talking about, what we're looking at right here. Uh, Bayonetta is a Umbra witch, and she's in the, from the game series where, and she's actually a, despite being, she is 100% human, technically, but she's born of a, of a father who's a, uh, I think, a, a Lumen Sage, and his, her mother was an Umbra witch. And according to that, you could not relate with an Umbra witch or a Lumen Sage or anything like that you know prophecy and everything like that but so like and anything they're only basically uh sum it all up two witches survived Cereza, which is bayonetta 
and her rival slash future friend, uh, Jean. And of course, Bayonetta was put into a long uh, coma sleep. But anyway, um, and she kind of lost her memory. So, and what's, re- what's really cool about Bayonetta is she's a lot like Dante in a way, but, but she's kind of pretty cool. She wields four, her main weapon is her four pistols, which called Love is Blue. Um, in, the, um, in the first game, they were red. Second game, they were blue. And um, the third one, they were purple. Yeah, they got a purple look, but they all got different color, uh, like yellow. And she, she looks really good. Like they've actually stylized her hair to make it look like when she was a kid. Um, Cause you do in the anime, you, you do see, Oh, wait, she's got three barrels in it now. <laughs> oh man. That's awesome. I'm actually looking at it right now. So she's got three barrels in the guns. Now, in case you guys are wondering, she has four of these. Why is she only using two? She can use the other two with her feet. How crazy is that? Yeah. And that's why man, that is my favorite smash character. <laughs> Oh, oh, because you can spam that? Yes. Yeah, but see, here's the thing, the difference about her, why I like Dante more than her, is because Dante earned his, his weaponry, his weaponry, whereas Bayonetta just has it regardless. And of course, yeah, she does the poses and stuff. What I'm looking at, and she does the climax. Yep, the Umber Climax, I think is what it's called. Yeah, it's the Umber Climax. Oh, it actually looks a lot better now that I'm looking at it. Oh, that looks so much cooler looking. That is so much cooler looking than it was. Yeah. Like, I'm going to have to get it. I'm going to have to catch up on the games. And And you know what? I think if I remember correctly in the first game, when she did her armor climax, she turned naked. Um, If I'm wrong about that, I apologize. Yeah. but when I just remember. But um, in this one, they don't. She just glows red. And I like that a lot. And her hair flows. I like that a a lot better. I just I think it's such a different direction. Oh, wait, is that the Phantom from Devil May Cry 1? That is so the Phantom. Okay, that is such a Devil May Cry callback because Capcom. But that was a Capcom reference. I'm going to call it right there. Oh, my God. This this looks like some Godzilla-esque battle right here. Yeah, kind of battle. Oh, my God. That's crazy. Yeah. And it's coming out next year, too, which is going to be pretty sick. Ooh. Is that good? Is that Sean? Is that not? Anyway, um, yeah, that that's pretty cool. All right, that's pretty much all the from the Nintendo Direct that I basically summed up. But yeah, everything that I've seen is probably pretty cool. I think Nintendo's going to have a great, great, a lot of great stuff for next year in my yeah. Nintendo's going to have a great rest of the year and beyond, dude. Yeah, definitely for definitely for beyond. Like it's actually like even though like of course we're still going through, we still technically are going through a pandemic in a way. It's just we're dealing with variant viruses and stuff like that. But that has not stopped the developers of games and stuff like that that we have all loved and look up to to work on stuff at, while, of course, we're all dealing with stuff right now. But now they've, they've got some real good stuff to show us for, like, next year and beyond. So I'm really, really impressed. Oh, yeah. And real quick about PlayStation, uh, Spider-Man 2, and Wolverine. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, so I actually, yeah, yeah, we'll, 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 we're, we're okay. We're this topic is definitely done, guys. So we're gonna put in a little bonus topic. Um, we, Ryan and I, we were actually watching the, um, the PlayStation Direct as well. I was watching it too. We're getting a new Wolverine game, which I'm really excited for. Yeah. And uh, a sequel to the Spider-Man and Miles Morales Spider-Man, 
which yeah. is in case if you guys don't know those games are uh sequel uh are connected in the timeline and this it was like because everyone was wondering where's venom <laughs> i guess but w- without my, my mind we're gonna get a venom we're gonna get a venom in this in this in this third yeah. game yep yeah i just know i played the i played a little bit of the first one i want to go back and play spider-man just because um it's fun i remember playing a lot of spider-man games it's really fun yeah uh, i think it's probably the best spider-man game i've ever played ever since it came out it's like it's like when you like you've watched enough of batman as well like of course batman is like one of the most talked about superheroes in the dc universe so is spider-man in the marvel universe because People know him. Spider-Man, I think, was one of the first superheroes for Marvel, I think. Uh, was he one of the first? I, I could be wrong. If I, I just, he probably. was the first superhero I saw. I think. And I remember when I was growing up as a kid in Tampa Bay, and I used to see, when I went to the movie theaters, I used to see the big poster of Spider-Man climbing up the side of a building. I'm like, is he seriously climbing up the side of a building? But it was a massive poster. It was like, bigger, go, go big or go home kind of thing. Yeah. And then, it, it, of course, if anyone wonders, it was Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. Holy crap, I love Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. Yeah, Tobey Maguire Spider-Man is best Spider-Man. Yeah, that guy got me into the Spider-Man and Marvel. Tom Holland is just too, like, much of a teenager. I mean, he's... He, I mean, Spider-Man, I mean... There are different portrays of Spider-Man. If we talk like the 90s cartoon, for example, it goes through Peter Parker and Spider-Man. Peter Parker gets a little bit older. He's living with MJ. He loses her. He finds her again. And it's a, that's a really cool series. I highly recommend anyone. I'm pretty sure it's on Disney Plus, the Marvel's animated. Uh, yeah, Spider-Man. the 90s Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah it's on Disney Plus. I, I, if, if, we, yeah, if we get together, if we eventually get together uh, when the pandemic still uh, dies down, um, more a little bit with the devil veering around. I don't want to be too care. I don't. Ryan and I don't want to be too careful with it, of course. Nah. No. But um, when it does calm down, we're gonna probably set up a PlayStation, uh, uh a, a Disney Plus membership, and watch all of our favorite uh shows in order. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because we we really want to we really want to like, uh, just talk about some stuff, and then just watch and just and and not not just that we may watch them because we just want to have fun watching it for our own experiences as much as we want to share it with our podcasters our followers our subscribers and listeners we 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 also have lives too i mean like we we're we're allowed to have some time to ourselves as well so yeah okay so um, all right I, now, I, now, I that, I'm, now that i'm done i can shut up you go ahead ryan <laughs> about uh so I went to Shang-Chi. It was great. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like Black Panther, Avatar, and Dragon Ball all rolled into one. <laughs> oh, that's gotta be, that's actually a good combination movie. Black Random Panther, Black. Avatar, Avatar, and Dragon Ball Z. Yeah. <sighs> Sounds good actually. That's a great way to sum it up. Yeah. I call it the greatest Dragon Ball movie ever made. Oh, dude, dude, imagine if Marvel had, Marvel Studios had the rights to make a Dragon Ball movie. You yeah. think they kill it? With the director of Shang-Chi, I think they would, because I I read an article that the director of Shang-Chi was inspired by Akira Toriyama, so. Well, there you go, there you go. I mean, there's that connection there. And I it went, I would very much love it if 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 he listens Dragon to this, Ball I, movie. I, I, exactly. And that's the thing is like I would love like 
there are some things Dragon Ball Evolution. I know people say this, but that movie was horseshit in my opinion. I hate Dragon Ball Evolution. I think everyone does, dude. They want, dude. They wanted to make Piccolo white. Yeah. Uh, from what I heard, but uh, regardless, uh, regardless, uh, regardless, of the movie being horseshit, there were some elements that were pretty cool. Like the capsule, of course, was pretty cool. Like the the little capsules from Capsule Corp and stuff like that. The minor yeah. details and stuff. That, those were pretty interesting, but uh, but yeah, like you said, I would love to see this director if he did get his inspiration from Akira Toriyama. I would want, I'd love to, for him to collaborate and make like a movie series, but based on the story of Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, I think he could do it. I think the, these guys could, the collaboration could be there for that. Yeah, the people on Shang-Chi could make a Dragon Ball movie and a Avatar movie. Like, yeah, yeah. Imagine an Avatar movie, dude. Like, uh, which one? Avatar The Last Airbender or... Uh... Last Airbender. Okay. I was thinking James I'm Cameron. Might have specified. Yeah, I could have specified Last Airbender. No, it's all right. But yeah, yeah. And, like, no, and, I hate, and I hate to just... I don't mean to discredit those movie creators. I know they were trying to make something that they thought was going to look good. But I'm not Shyamalan. One is complete shit. Like, which one? I'm not Shyamalan. The Avatar movie is complete shit. Uh, yeah, I was not really, I was not really into the live action. I didn't watch, I didn't watch it at all. Actually, I just watched clips of it. It just, it didn't feel like that sense of adventure that the kids it, show is meant to do. It didn't feel like the show. No, I mean, and and that's also the difference thing that I notice where you have uh, have a budget for a show or a season, whereas like you have a budget for a movie. If you do it for a movie. You're doing it for like say like for at least two hours to a minute and fifty, an hour and fifty minutes per se. Um, what are we gonna do for the scenes? How are we gonna time it and everything and stuff like that? Whereas yeah, a show, yeah, like Game of Thrones, like well, I mean, okay. Normally the average length for shows usually is like for episodes is like thirty minutes, I think. If I'm correct. If it's not like HBO, like an hour. No, it's not. If, I, I, I'm excluding like HBO and like ongoing streaming series. Like if they go about above an hour, sometimes it's like about yeah. the length of your average anime episode or something like that. That's and I mean that's what cartoons and other shows were back in the day with the classics and stuff. They just ran for like I think maybe 15 minutes an episode, and then 30, just like 20. Yeah, and then some would actually be a full hour or 30 minutes or something like that. Uh, like regular show, like regular show for an episode for regular show is only 15 minutes. If you look at it. Yeah. I mean, that's just one example, but yeah. I yeah, mean, but basically what I have to say about Shang-Chi is awesome. Go see it. All the acting is great. All the music is great. There's some pretty funny um, jokes about the Eagles, Hotel California in there. I won't spoil it, but uh, yeah, yeah. Out of respect of you guys as well, I think Ryan won't spoil as well because, well, yeah, I still got to see it as well. I really want to see it actually. Now that you, I, I really like got to get back into watching some movies again that people say are really good because I used to be, I used to be very hesitant to watching certain movies because I really didn't want to like. In the past, I was, but now ever since like I went to college, I've like, I opened my horizons a little bit when it came to movies and when it came to writing and probably script writing and stuff like that. I mean, everyone has their own taste, but sometimes you have to open up a little bit sometimes, which is pretty interesting. Yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah. And in the future, I'll, I'll say this. I'd love this guy and Akira Toriyama to get together and 
actually make a Dragon Ball, a Ball movie. movie. Yep. Dragon Ball movie would be awesome. Like, I would go see it in one. And if not an actual movie, I'd still probably love to see this in a live action series if they could do that. Yeah, but Akira Toriyama was burned by Fox Studios with Dragon Ball Evolution. I believe he went on record as saying that he he would never want to make another live action movie again because of Dragon Ball Evolution doing so bad and making a mockery of his creation. I mean, I agree with him on that. Yes, they kind of did it to the fans as well. Yes, it was very, it was not all that we all thought it would be. It was very much kind of misleading information. Uh, not what we originally saw from the original Dragon Ball series. Yeah. But um, I'm not going to speak for Akira Toriyama or anything like that, but because uh, I know he is absolutely, he's actually one of my inspirational artists for, for creating a story, creating ideas and stuff like that, and characters as well. Because, well, like, he, he actually created one of my favorite characters in, Dragon, in the Dragon Ball universe, Beerus the Destroyer, who I love his voice actor, by the way, as well. Both voice actors, English and Japanese. <sighs> All right. Yeah. So that's saying she. All right, that's it. That's it for Shang-Chi for you? All right, switching on over. I believe my next topic is Jurassic World Evolution 2. All right. First things first, before I go into talking about what I heard in the the direction diaries and stuff like that, did you hear any information about this game, Brian? Um, I believe it's like a a zoo tycoon, but for Jurassic Park. Yeah, that's basically what it is. And for those who don't know what this game is, there was a game a long time ago that Jurassic Park... Now, of course, when Jurassic Park came out, they made a lot of games for them. Uh, Two of them, I believe, I have talked about on this pandemic that I have played in the past that I really want to find Flash versions of them or uh, at least get the discs again and then just... Or digitally download them somehow. Uh, Find a safe browser to download them or something. I'd, I'd love for them to put... But one of them was basically a 2D sides, a 2D platforming game, but you had to avoid dinosaurs at the same time. Otherwise, if you got caught by the dinosaurs, it would go into an animation scene like a raptor. Like, I'm not kidding. Look it up, guys. Like, if you get caught by a raptor, it will pounce on you on the screen. And this was a game for like five year olds, for like nine year olds and 12 year olds. And this was a way to um, make dinosaurs like friendly to kids. But no, if you, if you got uh, caught by a T Rex, it would show the T Rex like, walking towards you and it opened its mouth and then the screen would go black that was probably one of the most intimidating things i've ever saw when i was playing it young and then of course there are a couple changes scenes when the velociraptors catch you when they they pounce on you and even if you slow it down on youtube if you find on youtube and slow it down it's still pretty terrifying because when you see the mouth of the raptor open as it just cuts to black it's like Mm. that looks so real and (laughs) terrifying (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, you and I are going to look at that later, right? Yeah. That'd be uh, like Resident Evil, dude. Like, like... Oh, oh, we're, oh, worse than we're, it's worse than Resident Evil. Oh my god, dude. Oh my god, I think it's just as that. All right, but anyway, um, yeah, and then I, I'm sorry, I'm getting off track, but yeah, as as well as well as that game, that game and Danger Zone, those were two games that came out for Jurassic Park Three, and the uh, the other one, Danger Zone, is actually a lot more enjoyable when you play it with someone else. Because it's a it's a basically monopoly, but styled in Jurassic Park. Wow, I didn't how, know they how, made a 
board game. <laughs> it's a, it's an electronic board game in a way. It's electronic board game style. The, the whole island is the mat is the board basically, and you are have two pieces. The truck. I really actually want um, a developer from Universal to actually bring this back because it was one of my favorite games playing. Like not just bring it back as in the computer sense, bring it in as like a family game for kids to enjoy. Like for Jurassic World, even I I, I haven't made a, uh, an idea for a petition or a, a, a I haven't like uh, write a message to Universal Jurassic Park developers and say, hey, can you remember this old game that kids used to love playing? Why don't we bring it back in a in a actual board game style for it and stuff? But um, yeah, so I'm, I, I may be getting off track, but I, I wanted to just at least bring this up to people who, if they don't know, if they remember this game in their childhood, I remember it a lot because I used to play it a lot and I used to get killed by dinosaurs a lot. But um, yeah, it, there would be spaces where you'd have to collect. Now, the main goal was basically you had to collect the dinosaur DNA and you had to fill up the DNA tube to four bars. And each time you'd land on a spot, spot where the dart was, you'd get, and if you get the dinosaur you need, you only get one dino DNA, but there are like cards and stuff. There are moments where you can like, there's also like a dealing card where it gets you a bunch of cards with question marks on them. You have to pick a card and depending on what it is, it could be like um, a dino attack. And that means like, for instance, a Velociraptor, a T-Rex or a Spinosaurus could be blocking the road for you. And in return, that's basically you lose a turn. So they're blocking the road. You have to get out of that situation, but in return, you lose a turn. So, I mean, that's that's pretty simple. And there's I some... want to play this game, dude. I'll I'll, I'll share I'll share uh with it with you when we when we're done with this, dude. Trust if me. you find it, I want to play it. Oh, dude, I'll pull it up like instantly. It's I'm pretty. There's some pretty much recent uh gameplay footage of it, and I'll actually okay, show you cool. how, yeah. how it's done. It's awesome. It's really awesome. good, and I, I really really suggest it. But yeah. But anyway, anyway, moving on back to Jurassic World Evolution Two. This game. There was another one previously. I think this came after Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom came out, I believe. No, no, yes. no, 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 no. I, I believe it was around that time because that was when they actually released the hybrid that was in that movie into this game. It was as downloaded DLC and stuff like that. But um, I remember I I could not find this game. They said this game would actually be in um, the first one I'm talking about, not the one that's coming out right now. This first one was going to be in stores. It was, I, look, I, I went to GameStop and it was not in GameStop Stop on the day. It was not ready to be on the shelves on the date. So, and I even went online on the PlayStation store and I found it. And I was like, but I actually got, I actually got, I think the deluxe edition of it. So I got all the dinosaurs, all the bonus dinosaurs in it as well, which is pretty cool. But, um, there, yeah, this game was a lot of fun. It was pretty easy for me because I used to play a lot of Zoo Tycoon, Zoo Tycoon 2, which is actually one of my favorite uh, zoo simulation games when I was a kid. Also mine I, too, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, oh, dude. Oh, dude, we got to go back. What if we did like a Let's Play of like Zoo Tycoon 2 together? That'd be awesome. We'd have uh, to find it first because it's pretty hard to find I mean, I still, I still have like, dude, I still have like all the original, the and the ex, and the expansions of like, uh, the Marine Mania and the um the dinosaur one. Yeah. So yeah, if you want, I I've got them. I've still got them. I I never got rid of them. <laughs> yeah, I never got rid of them because I love those games to death. Even though, like, yeah, you're making a zoo, but still, you want to try to make at least a lot of space for your animals and stuff like that. <sighs> 
but yeah. Uh, anyway, moving on. There was a game previously before these two Jurassic World Evolution called Jurassic Park Operation Genesis. It is the best Jurassic Park game I'd ever played when I was... I actually got it for the PS2, and my brother and I played it. Oh, my God. It had the best opening cutscene. Yet you hear John Hammond's voice as you're going through the park, uh, the island, and you're, it's showing you that you can build a park, populate it with dinosaurs and stuff like that. And it was really, really cool. And over the years, it's been modded for PC. Like a bunch of people have actually modded sound effects for the dinosaurs, uh, even changed like stomping sound effects when they shake the ground, whenever they walk, uh, even when they communicate and stuff like that. It's really, really cool. And they've and the best part is you'll look online on YouTube. A lot of people have made Jurassic Park or like at least dinosaur documentaries using Jurassic Park, Operation Genesis, and Jurassic World Evolution. It's like the perfect game to simulate a dinosaur documentary in your own style, if you want. But yeah. That, that's really cool. I might have to pick up Jurassic World Evolution now. Yeah, it's, it, it's so. awesome, dude. I, I, nailed, I nailed all the parks in like with less than a week because I just knew how to handle the dinosaurs. Plus, it was kind of hard dealing with a predatory dinosaur like a T-Rex because, um, well, whatever you put in there. Well, I'll say this. When they first made it, the carnivores would immediately go after herbivores no matter if they were hungry or not. That, yeah. but, but over the time, as they were updating and stuff, the AI and stuff got a lot, a lot better with the programming and stuff like that. So it was a lot better. And, then, and, that, and that actually made me... When you beat all the islands, then you can actually make your own specific island, uh, or not not your own specific island, uh, your own. Um, what am I trying to talk about? Uh, your own park, in a way. But I didn't want to do that. I want to actually. I so what I did was I basically built a a kind of simulated look using the whole island. I got rid of a lot of stuff and just basically made dinosaurs. Like I did, like a river stream that cut through everything, and the sauropods they were hanging around um the the river and i called that the river of giants and uh there would be gal a bunch of gallimimus in an open field area and they would hang out in that open field area so it's stegosaurus and a bunch of other dinosaurs i and i have one t-rex there and he is kind of like the alpha predator um and you can't put two t-rexes in it was hard because you couldn't put two t-rexes in the same area otherwise they would attack each other and that's how it is with mm -hmm. the most like uh predators like uh, big predators and that's not scientifically true some predators actually did cooperate together talk about it but number two this game actually takes place in the event storylines after um after fallen kingdom so if for those of you who have watched fallen kingdom you pretty much know the dinosaur the secrets out the dinosaurs are now living amongst our world uh, they're living on the continents. Uh, they're off the island because the island has been, uh, well, the volcano on the island erupted. And uh, the dinosaurs that didn't die are on the, um, were on a ship and they were being sold and auctioned off. And when I saw that part of the movie, I don't know about you, Ryan, when I saw that part of the movie, that really fucking pissed me off that they just, so now you're really going with, the method that engine has been talking about auctioning off these dinosaurs when they don't even know what they can really do from 65 million years ago 
I mean, yeah, dude. Like, why sell dinosaurs, but you don't know where you're playing with dogs? Like, I mean, like, it's like Ian Malcolm said. It's like you got a kid with your dad's gun or something like that. And forgive me if I said that. I don't want anyone to take offense to that. That's the actual, that's a similar line. Like, but I mean, like Ian Malcolm says, like, um, I- I'll tell you what the problem is. You haven't, uh, even before you even knew what it is. I mean, you packaged it, packaged it, slapped it on a plastic lunchbox, and now you're selling it. That is literally one of the best quotes he does. And that's literally one of the best scenes in the movie is that table scene. If you go on YouTube and look at the table scene from Jurassic Park where they're sitting around eating, discussing the park, if you want to listen to dialogue, like dialogue that these characters are actually saying, it's actually pretty interesting if you just listen to what they're saying and stuff like that. But of course, some kids, like if you don't want to hear that, you're just in for the dinosaurs, just watch the dinosaurs and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, but yeah, Man. it's like, yeah, it's Jurassic like, Park was a good movie back in the day. Back in the day, man. The first, first two, in my opinion. Third one, iffy. Uh, mm. I mean, third one has really good. Third animation. one I watched the most, but I don't like. <laughs> it's it. It doesn't have the good scary moments that one and two do. Which, and I, I I'll say this: like, I love the story method for two because literally site b even though they had di- site b is still active and like that's when they were having the dinosaurs there and then they were gonna put them on isla nublar which was the main was where the park was but like what was pretty cool is that isla sorna which is the site b island the dinosaurs on that island they were actually living in an ecosystem that island they were cut off from of course us they were just living on that island but they had their own ecosystem. And this is one of the reasons why, if you're a Jurassic Park fan, you'll understand why. If you remember in the movie, the dinosaurs did not have, were not, um, there was another reason why they couldn't breed as well. Because, and that's one of the reasons why um, they had to keep them out of the global ecosystem in a way. Because um, they didn't have lysine in their body. So they had a lysine contingency where they would just, um, they, they could give it to the dinosaurs. They, they, they would have a weekly dosage from what I heard. And I think I read it in the book or two. I don't know if it's described in the book because I forget. So forgive me, book readers, if I uh, butcher that as well. But basically, if they don't have it, they die, they die off. So, yeah. and, but what I like about number two is if you think about it, and there's a conversation that Sarah Harding is saying before she approaches the Stegosaurus and uh, almost gets herself brutally killed, almost brutally killed. She didn't. Um, they're the carnivores eat the herbivores, but the earth. Okay, so here's the thing. Let's go a little science in this. The plants produce lysine. The herbivores on the island eat the lysine, and they get the lysine in their system. The predators, like T. Rex and the raptors and the other predators on the island, they eat the herbivores that have the lysine. Now they have the lysine. Life finds a way, man. Yeah, it's it's Ian Malcolm's line, most famous Ian line. Malcolm. Life finds a way. So, and basically, life found a way, and that's what, and that's the thing too, is like what what can be a little bit imaginative too, because in Jurassic Park, now the reason I don't, a Jurassic Park kind of sounds like you know, like, but the thing is, most of the dinosaurs in that, there's like one or two or a few that are just from the Jurassic period. And the rest are actually from the Cretaceous period. 
And in case if you guys don't know, um, look at the um, look at the Mesozoic era timeline of dinosaurs and stuff like that. That's where you'll get your glimpse of like from the KT boundary, which was the end of the dinosaurs at 65.5 million years ago to um, where it all started back almost 300 million years ago. Yeah, that's what's pretty interesting. But anyway, back to Jurassic World uh, Evolution 2. Now, this story does take place after Fallen Kingdom, uh, like I have said, but you're not really setting up a park. You're more of hunters in a way. You're more of setting up locations for these dinosaurs while you're tracking them down, uh, tranquilizing them, and you're bringing them back. It's basic, basically to me, it's going to be like, Oh, so you want me to track down these dinosaurs instead of just let them live in the environment? I mean, yeah, like, and not hurt the people. I mean, they're animals. Let them do what they're gonna do. Let them do what they're gonna do. <laughs> I mean, I mean, do you want to? Do you want to be? Do you want to be stuck at the end of a triceratops horn and stabbed to death? No, you don't. <laughs> and leave it alone. I, I, I mean, that's basically saying that at the end of the day, you got a bent fork and a pissed off rhinoceros. Hey, dude, just keep talking. I'm gonna go get smarter real quick. All right, all right, yeah. And so, um, all right. So, what am I thinking? And uh, also, while he while he's going to get some water real quick, um, and so what you guys don't know is that, um. Much like um, the first game is how you're building up a park, you're technically building up a uh, um, perimeter fences just and putting them in them. You're basically just hunting them down and putting them in captivity. That's kind of what it is um, to keep people safe and stuff like that. I'm, I don't really necessarily agree with... I thought it was going to be something different, but I do know that much like... Um, much different from Jurassic World uh, Evolution 1, that there was going to be different environments. And I hope to, I hope that there's going to be different environments because I'd really like to see actually people make dinosaur documentaries with these different environments that we're going to have. Cause we're not just going to have a jungle environment. We're going to have like, um, we're going to have more environments, which is going to be pretty, pretty interesting. I'd very much love to see uh, different kind of environments for the dinosaurs and stuff, like make it actually look like probably what it would be like back in that timeline. If we could imagine it and stuff like that. But yeah, uh, that, that's basically the last mm -hmm. dino entry that I've seen a little bit. I've seen a couple of the dinosaurs that they've shown off, the Tyrannosaurus Rex. They, you can now put two together. I, hopefully you can maybe put three or a sibling, maybe, hopefully. Cross your fingers. But you can put two T-Rexes together, which is actually pretty cool. Um, and, they, and the T-Rexes look a lot more detailed than they do in one, which is good. And I've always, and a fun fact, the T-Rex roar is actually the same roar from the movies. They just made their own little edit version of it, which is pretty cool. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's the same roar. I always love the T-Rex roar from Jurassic Park. It's one of the most iconic roars ever. Yeah. But yeah, I think, and that, that's pretty much all I know about it. I don't know if there's gonna, they're going to put the hybrid dinosaurs in this one. Hope to God they don't. I don't want to deal with an Indominus Rex or an Indoraptor. I hate those. As much as I love the look of Indominus Rex, I actually, I never had it break out of my, my pen or anything. I always kept it. If, whenever I was going to put an Indominus Rex or an Indoraptor, I always isolated their, their cage from the rest of the cages so that less people would be hurt. Mm. Yeah. So kind of not a bolt, not a good idea, but 
I mean, you can't have more than one Indominus Rex, otherwise they're going to kill each other. But yeah, uh, Jurassic World 2, I would recommend to people who haven't played the first one, if you haven't played the first one, go play it, uh, go buy it, play it. It's a lot of fun. It's, it's a lot like, it, it's a trip down memory lane for me because I used to play Jurassic Park Operation Genesis. It's a trip down memory lane. That's all I can say. All right. All right, that ends um, a topic about that. Uh, I think you wanted to talk about Ryan. Did you want to talk about? Um, yeah, you were going to talk about. Uh, yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm done. Did you have any? What was your next topic? Buddy? All right. Now it's time for what we've been watching. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. So, you want to go first, Ryan? What have you been watching, Keegan? I'll let you go first. All right, what I've been watching actually, which is actually pretty interesting. I've been, uh, I went back to Netflix, which is pretty interesting. Um, and I've been watching a couple animated shows that have been, they've been popping up and stuff like that. Um, um, but mainly, I it brought Netflix actually brought back a show I really loved on that I watched on Funimation, but I highly recommend it if you watch it on Funimation because the, uh, the subtitles, if you if you're reading them from English to English, um, is really good. But I've been watching Fate Zero, or as in from the Fate Stay Night series, in case anyone knows that series. Oh, yes, I've been meaning to watch that one. Yeah, I um, people are confused if it's a movie or not, and uh, Fate Zero and Fate Stay Night Unlimited Blade Works are not. Fate Zero is a prequel story to the Holy Grail. It's a prequel to Fate Stay Night. And Fate Stay Night was originally made back in 2006. But um, Unlimited Blade Works is basically a redux or a remaster of it. Of course, it's got better quality. And I, 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 I kid you not, guys. Like, and, and it's also there's also like prequel stories or sequel stories like Fate Grand Order, which I have not indulge myself in that one because i'm used to the original characters that i used to watch and stuff like that but um it's really really interesting if you want if you really if, if anyone wants to watch it i would suggest you watch fate zero first if you're um i mean i mean technically it came after unlimited blade works but if you want to watch fate zero first to understand the prequel of the whole and now this is a really interesting thing because it's got it's got uh mages in it uh, mages basically magicians magic and stuff like that but this all centers down to something called the holy grail war now if those of you guys who know ancient history or the myths and legends and stuff like that ever heard of the holy grail the quest for the holy grail yeah the crusaders quest for the holy grail uh, that, that's what this is kind of based on and this is based on like this and, and what's pretty cool is actually this Holy Grail has is basically an um in, in this storyline we don't, we don't know what the Holy Grail really was for well, well we know what it was for because in based in the Christ in the mythology and stuff like that in this storyline it, it's it's basically an omnipotent wish granting device and it can grant the wish of a, a winner but in order to decide that you have to fight a war a kind of war it's a secret war it's not really it's not really for the public to know about this, what goes on. So if there's a lot of collateral damage, then the mage association, there's a mage association. Yes, there is a mage association and they'll try to cover it up. (laughs) 
and stuff like that. So yeah, I'm trying not to spoil too much, but um, you basically have um, now you have to now you can be a mage and you have the this mark on your hand. I won't um look at it, but you can look at it on uh, the Fate series, and you'll see all these characters. They have these marks on their hands, and those are those that is proof that you have been selected by the Holy Grail to participate in the Holy Grail War itself. Now, what it means, now it also depends on the class of servant you summon to fight the war. Now, you really, the mages don't really fight the war. They can fight the war, well, but it ultimately revolves around their servants fighting. And one of the reasons is like, so you have a servant and they're based off of heroic spirits. Somewhat heroic spirits, but they say heroic spirits, but, um, or most, mostly known the heroes that we, or, it could be a conqueror a king who knows like for example but anyway um yeah like that um but anyway um you, so i think you have a couple of classes you have saber archer lancer berserker assassin rider i think that's it i think that's six classes that you can choose from um oh and seven a caster as well and I think it's, I think it is seven. If I am wrong, I am so sorry. I don't remember off the top of my head of it, but yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, because I had that long moment. Yeah, I think it is seven um, members. And what's pretty, pretty cool about this is I did not know that one of those heroic spirits, when they first showed her off, she w- she is now... She's called Saber. Now they're called they're called by their 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 servant class names, um, because if they know who, here's the thing: if the servant know, what, the Holy Grail not just grants the servants who are heroic spirits who have done heroic deeds from their timelines and stuff when they died as well, it also grants them knowledge of the modern world, which is pretty interesting. So. So they pretty much would know, they would basically have a historical archive and with them, um, which is pretty cool. And as well, there have been like a couple characters, like I, I highly suggest everyone to watch uh, Fate Zero first because you may get those characters off the bat. Like one of them, of course, Saber, um, being Saber, um, we've all seen her. She looks pretty uh, heroic and knightly and stuff like that. She's called Saber, but she is actually King Arthur. Hmm. Yeah, she is King Arthur of the Knights of the Round Table, which is actually pretty awesome, in my opinion. And I'm thinking, like, okay, so this story is actually portraying that King Arthur was a girl, and that's Excalibur and stuff. But yeah, I'm not trying to spoil uh, too much as well. Like, there'll be like his, or kind of, like if anyone doesn't know a uh, character as well, he's a pretty his voice actor is pretty good, but he's also going to be a lovable servant mm. for you guys. Askandar, the King of Conquerors, but also he's also mostly known as Alexander the Great. And if we all know Alexander the Great, Conqueror, pretty much. Yep. Yeah. And um, there's another character as well. I don't know if anyone has ever heard of the name Gilgamesh before. Uh, Indian God. Yep. He was obsessed with um, not dying. <laughs> And stuff like that but when you see gilgamesh in this he's um he's portrayed a lot differently he's portrayed kind of an asshole a little bit but he's a character you're definitely gonna hate but you're gonna be like he's so fucking powerful 
He's not even wasting yeah. time. I mean, yeah. But yeah, of course, he's from the Epic of, Is it the Epic of Gilgamesh or the story of Gilgamesh? I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know. Well, I, I, I just happen to know mythology a lot because I looked into it a lot as well. But yeah, also there's um, a character called, his name is Diarmuid of the Love Spot. Now he is actually the first knight of Fjallner and he's most known for having two spears. And, um, but the thing is, he has a curse on him. He has a, he has a mole on him and it's kind of a curse on him, but it allows women to just fall in love with him. But he, it, but the way they portray some of these characters is actually pretty cool. And sometimes, like when you hear like a code of chivalry and stuff, it's actually you respect that a lot more between them. Like, yeah, you're not gonna fight now. All right, now I won't fight either. I'll wait to fight you when a proper duel comes along and stuff like that. But the masters don't really want to do that, and that's why they have like those the markings on their hand, their um, command seals in a way, and. Um, you basically have three of them. And if you use them up, you, you don't want to use them up. That's the thing. You want to use them as a last resort if necessary. But you can basically fully command the servant willingly to do what you want them to do. And stuff like that. But it's pretty interesting. I want to spoil everything for it. It's, it's uh, pretty much the unlimited budget works, as they say. <laughs> yep. All right. I'm sorry if I took a lot away of your time, Ryan. Oh. You go right ahead. I've been watching the critically acclaimed 2000 series 24. Oh, really? Keith Sutherland. Oh, man. No, no way. No kidding, man. And I'm enjoying the hell out of it. Uh, I, I, I figured you would like that show. My father, he loves that show. Yeah. yeah. I think we have the full, we have a whole box that's the collection of 24. I have to I have to uh, see if I still have it or not. But yeah, I know I know my father never was going to get rid of that because he freaking loves that. He yeah he he loves that. I that love the show too. Yeah, like it's a great show. <laughs> yeah, one of the things I was going to try and get, I was going to try and see if I can get my father the sound effect for the clock in that show when you hear the clock beat down. Uh, it's it's it's, yeah. it's amazing. It's it's so fucking awesome. Yeah. But yeah, um, gr- a great choice, man. A great great choice. I am currently on season three, episode oh. seventeen, right now. Mm. I have it up on my screen right now, nice. on my TV. Nice over there. <laughs> yeah, I would actually um. Yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be great. I, I can't. I'm glad you're enjoying it because I it's been so long since I've heard that timer click from 24. My father used to watch it all the time, and I yeah. I, I gotta watch it with him because I want to see why he likes it. I want him to give me a guide through 24 in a way. Dude, it's a great show. Should, yeah, I gotta go back and watch it. We should watch it together. We, yeah, we gotta watch it together. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, that's a very that's a very special show to my father. Again, um, and I've been watching a bit of the original Robotech. Oh, really? From uh, nineteen eighty, because it's on Funimation now. Let me actually look up Robotech again because the name sounds familiar. The anime from Harmony Gold. Oh, 
oh my god i'm sorry yes i remember this one i remember the style i remember this yeah yeah this is, this is awesome I've been watching yeah. that. It's a great, like cheesy, like anime. Hey, it's hey, it's hey, it's got an eight point five on IMDb. You can't go wrong with that. Can't go wrong with that. Mm-mm. And it's got three seasons when it can't. And it's got three seasons. Yeah, can't go wrong with that. Uh, Funimation knew they remastered it because there was lawsuits going on between somebody and Harmony Gold. Harmony Gold won. And now Funimation has the rights to Robotech, all of its enemies. I I can imagine probably why. I I, I actually thought those lawsuits and problems were actually going to be uh from um uh the the companies that originally illustrated and drew it uh and made it itself because yeah, but I mean because technically Funimation it does have it does have. A technical version of the Japanese to English translation. Yeah, technically Robotech is called Macross. Yeah. If we think about it, yeah, they I mean if we think about it, in a lot of the early years, they used to change the titles of some shows that were in Japanese just to English. I w- I went down a rabbit hole one day on YouTube because yeah. I wanted to get into some 80s anime. And yeah, I was oh, like, dude. Oh, you and I gotta watch Cowboy Bebop. I think you'd love Cowboy Bebop, man. Yeah, I'm speaking of which, Netflix, Cowboy Bebop on yes. Netflix. Dude, I don't know. I, I I don't think they'll do it justice without Steve Bloom, man. But it's uh, the guy that played Sulu in the Star Trek movies. He's so, playing Spike. Sulu. So, so. That'll be interesting, actually. That'll be interesting. Well, him in another sci-fi role. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, yeah, I can actually see him fitting in the sci-fi role because, dude, Cowboy Bebop was the shit back in the day. I'll send you the trailer for the show. It's great. The live yeah. action show. It's yeah. Uh, I got to watch this now. But, yeah. I, I hope it has that jazz opening like it did. Uh, you remember that opening of Cowboy Bebop? It does. Yeah, that's the trailer. That's the entire trailer. Dude. Tank, like, dude, nostalgia kicking in already. Netflix knows what they're doing. Yeah, Netflix, they're now they're they're stepping up their game from what I hear in a lot of ways. Okay, so this might be not related to Netflix or streaming wise, but I've actually been watching a very old show. I don't know if anyone remembers this called Sonic X, Sonic's original. TV oh yeah, series. the worst Sonic anime ever. What? No, man, this one's one of the best. <laughs> what are you talking about, man? Okay, why do you think it's the worst? I'm gonna have a fight about Sonic. Okay, why, why, why do you, why do you, why do you think it's bad? Um, well, it's not Sonic. It's like Kitty Sonic. Well, that that's. I mean, technically speaking, it is the 3D Sonic from like. Um, I'll give, I mean, it, I'll give it this. It's not Julia White who played Oracle playing Sonic anymore. So it's uh, yeah. Um, I'll I'll say this when I go back and watch this. It's it's there are some things that are not like Sonic it's at not all. The worst. It's okay. No. It's... no, no. But I remember Sonic as Jason Griffiths. It's not um, Ninja Turtles 2003. 
hey, 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 let's not talk about that. But, uh, but um, hey, to be fair, this is actually, in my opinion, I really, really, really like. Uh, I really like Sonic X. I just I don't like Sonic's design very much. I'm glad that they have like Doctor Eggman as like looking like Doctor Eggman. Yeah. Uh, let me look this up real quick um, for the games because there's one voice actor that was Sonic. Yeah, Jason Griffith. He was the voice actor for Sonic the Hedgehog. He was Shadow as well. He was Jet the Hawk and Sonic the Were- and he was the Werehog as well. Yeah. Jason Griffith. I, I, rem- I for the last game that I heard him in a Sonic game was Sonic and the Black Knight. And I, and I think they changed the voice actor. Yeah, Jason Griffith, he was. Um, I think it's the same voice actor as the movie now, but it may, may not. I don't think so. Uh, yeah. Um, oh, oh yeah. Jason Griffiths was in Sonic X. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't, I wasn't entirely sure if Jason Griffiths was voicing Sonic in Sonic X, um, but yeah, it is him. It is him. It's that same voice actor. And he does a really good Sonic. And he's a really good Sonic, <laughs> in my personal opinion. You ask me, but in my opinion, yeah, Sonic X is okay. It's not the worst. It's not the best no. of the four kids TV shows. I mean, let me let me look at the time it, it came out. Um, Sonic X. But I grew um, up with four kids TV, like the. Ninja I mean, Turtles. I mean, technically speaking, this is a Japanese anime television series. If we're thinking about it, based on Sega's Sonic the Hedgehog video games. Yeah, but. And there are like, like for example, there are throwbacks in the show. If you watch, like there are throwbacks to from Sonic Adventures One and Sonic Adventures Two. Which Sonic Adventures Two is actually my favorite Sonic game of all time because yeah. of the first level City Escape. Yeah, City Escape has the has the best. Is it's one of the even the even the remixes of both those um, in Sonic Generations. It's a beastly remake, in my opinion. Yeah, for both classic and modern Sonic. Yeah. But yeah, it's not the worst thing in the world. Yes, I'm just not a big Sonic guy. Well, I mean, like, you're not a big Sonic guy? I thought you were a Sonic person. I'm more of a Mario guy. <laughs> well, I mean, like, to be fair, I, I did play Mario and then I got into Sonic. I mean, I never, I rarely played Sonic games. I just like seeing Sonic go super fast. It's so cool to see him go fast. Yeah, I like the mechanics of Sonic, but I never, like, Got really into Sonic. Oh, it, it got it got a lot better. It got a lot better by the time Generations came out. The Mushroom and, Kingdom. And... Hey, hey, but here's the thing: if you collect all seven Chaos Emeralds, you can literally become Super Sonic. Yeah, Super Saiyan Sonic. <laughs> I think I think that's where that design actually came from. I think I think so. You think Kenny Toriyama played Sonic? It was like, hey. <laughs> Super Saiyan. <laughs> but, but yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. Sonic X is another good series that I've watched. And um, it actually reveals a fan form that I think a lot of people don't know. But it's called Dark Sonic. And I've never seen this in any of the video games. Dark Sonic. But he just looks like he's got a dark aura around him. And his eyes are completely white. And he's supposedly more powerful than Super Sonic. Form. But yeah. 
I mean, yeah, I always love Sonic and Shadow the Hedgehog. They're two of my one of my favorite two of my favorite characters. But it's it's basically like that Goku and Vegeta kind of dynamic. Yes, Dragon Ball Z. So yeah, but either way, I still like it. Yeah, Sonic X, my second one. You got another one, Ryan? Um, I mean, um, Dragon Ball and oh, oh yeah, I do have another one. Um. A month ago, I watched HBO's Chernobyl series. Really? Okay. About H- the 1980 Chernobyl disaster power plant in Russia. Yep, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I've seen some clips and tidbits because my brother and father they watched it too. It was um, freaking. I watched good. it as well. It was really good. Like, I mean, yeah, it tells you the story, like it tells you the story of what happened basically. It's, like, it's one of the best miniseries I've ever seen from HBO. Did it get any awards? I don't know if like, did it get any awards? It probably did. It deserved if it, it. If, it, if it did, it does deserve like, as far as storytelling goes and like you're actually seeing what happened during this time. Yeah, it was scary, man. I mean, like... radiation, I mean, radiation damage and poison and stuff like that. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. It was horrifying. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely it's not a it's not a good point in history, I'd say. But yeah, but it was like fascinating to me. Like, mm-hmm. oh, absolutely. Like that's the thing you have to like you have to kind of swallow some things. Like if you've heard bad things or read bad things about uh uh, not so good moments in history and stuff like that. Um, and then you actually watch an adaptation or an actual recreation based on events that have happened in there that are that are closely and precisely accurate to what's happened as far as main point goes and everything. It kind of changes your opinion like of what happened to these people when you when these events happened and stuff like that. And get this, the writer was the same writer as the Hangover series. Really? Yep. That's something. He wrote the Hangover. That's something for him. But anyway, the series is so good. I recommend everybody watch Chernobyl. I'm with you you there, guys. If you guys don't have HBO or HBO Max, um, get it or you don't ha- don't li- don't listen to us or anything like that. Do what you guys want to do, but just if you want to watch Cherno- Chernobyl, watch it. It's worth wa- a watch. Yes, please watch it. I'm begging you, watch yeah, it. Yeah, it's definitely worth a watch in my opinion. It's better than half of the miniseries that I've ever seen. <laughs> All ever. right. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Anyway, so ter- that's what we've been watching. Mm-hmm. Hope you all enjoyed this segment. And right, our last topic will be. Actually, I think we got one more before our last topic. Okay. I think I think yeah, it's it's my story one. Yeah, I think it's my story one. Oh yeah. Great. Uh, Keegan, I want to congratulate you on fifty thousand reads on your tales story. Yeah. Yeah, in case if you guys uh, don't know um, what we're what we're talking about right now is um, there is a story on a site called if you go to wattpad.com, it's basically like a writer's site, much like uh, fanfiction.com and stuff and like other stuff like that. 
Um, except this is except Wattpad's a little bit more updated. It's much, it's really good. Um, this was where I actually like stumbled upon a couple stories that were a bit different in terms of fan fiction telling and stuff like that. And so I decided to write like a couple stories and stuff like that. Uh, right now, what's on hold right now is what a lot of people are begging me to finish is the Attack on Titan story that I've developed. The stopping point where I stopped with that one was um, uh, right at the end of the last episode that just aired. So I have not gone back to touch it. I have put it on hold. Uh, I have told people, yes, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it when the show finishes because for a couple reasons. Number one, some people haven't read the manga. So there are some things that I've added in from the manga and the show that the show does a little bit differently. It, should, it, it less explains some things that it, are a lot explained in the manga. But um, there are some things in, in a kind of order sense that I've kind of changed around a bit. And, um, but yeah, like, but anyway, that, for example, and that, uh, that story actually has about 1,250,000 readers that have read it. So, yeah. Cool. And that, that one's got like uh, 55 chapters published. I need to read your stuff, man. I think it'd be cool to read. I mean, I mean, basically, I my inspiration, my inspiration is following the storyline the best way I can to capture those moments, the best way I can for some of my stories. Like the anime, Attack on Titan, and pretty, pretty like, much, pretty much. Like, if you want to draw your readers in, I believe, set up the scene, set up the intensity, like set up what the character's feeling and the tensity of the scene and everything like that to kind of get that imagination. And then when you go back and watch the anime, oh my God, you feel exactly the same thing or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, um, what I'm majorly congratulating on is the story that is actually complete that I have finished. It is called Tales of Berseria. You guys may have known that game. Uh, by ben- it's by Bandai Namco, but th- my, my fan fiction title for it is Tales of Berseria, Calamity's Hero. Now, the thing about this one is it's a now I had to put this in abbreviations at first. It was an OC, meaning an original character, a character that I created myself, X main character, meaning, and of course, if those of you who have played uh, a Tales game or have t- played Tales of Berseria, uh, Velvet Crow is the main character of this game. Now, um, I could read the description of this if I want to. Um, but of course this also, this story is also constantly being updated as well, because I'm actually doing artwork for this one right now. And so now that I've actually, it took me a whole year to write all this. And I'll basically say this, at least each one of the chapters besides the final battle chapter, each of those chapters are at least 3000 to 2000 words per chapter. That's a lot of words. Yeah, it's a lot of words. Like, that's a yeah. lot of damage. What? It's a lot of damage. Damage? How's it damage? It keeps you keeps your readers intertwined, man. No, I was doing a flex tape joke. Oh, oh, sorry. That's but yeah, but yeah, like, and uh, a couple months ago, like, actually earlier in the year, I act actually published a, a, an art piece for it, um, a couple art pieces for it. Uh, one was a one-year anniversary cover. It's up there right now. It's got the cover title. It's got the character who I made. 
and the character he's helping along the way. Now, in case you guys don't, in case if you guys don't know, it much like the Tales game, it's a JRPG. It's kind of an action adventure, but this is also it's got other tags to it. It's an action adventure, action romance adventure. Um, it's a fandom. I, I I had to put in fandom and fan fiction because that's what it technically is. Uh, fantasy adventure, uh, JRPG game, and characters wise, original character relationship revenge because the main title of this game was basically revenge but i kind of wanted to if for those of you who played tales of berseria it's a fun game like velvet crow i really really love her character development but i feel i i just i don't like the ending of it and i'm not going to spoil the ending for ryan because i'm pretty sure ryan can look it up if he doesn't want to ever play it uh tales of berseria is really really fun it's entertaining it's as far as combat goes and graphics wise, it's not the best looking game in my opinion. I'd say the best looking Tales game so far that I've ever played is Tales of Arise that just recently came out, and and, and it's all it's already Tales of Arise is already up there with my top favorite Tales games from Bandai Namco because it's really a big step up from um, what they what they actually were showing off that they canceled and improved showing off characters and everything. It's really a big step up. It's I I I just love it course mm. and of course like in case of you guys don't know there the art style that i'm actually doing for this story is um the same animation style that the anime cutscenes for the game are made and yes this game does have anim- some anime movie cutscenes, but it's in that same sort of style that i'm trying to uh capture for the characters and everything like that and i mean um do you want me to actually read the description of the story ryan Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I can I can just do the description of the story to kind of get the readers um, involved. All right. So, <clears throat> but, right, sorry. Uh, let me get some water first. Uh, yeah, yeah. More water <clears throat> too. I'll be right back. Just keep talking. All right. <clears throat> All right. Here is the description. Have you ever believed in different outcomes? Have you ever believed that revenge was not the only way to get what you want? In this tale, Coda Raven, an, ori- an ordinary person from another world, is reborn in a new world. He becomes friends with Velvet Crow and Lafayette Crow. Over the course of the nine months, Coda didn't realize it, but he's starting to fall in love with Velvet. She was, ve- she was a very kind person, perhaps the kindest person he ever met in this world. Everything was peaceful until the crimson moon came and the demons started suddenly appearing. Coda tried to help Velvet, but her little brother was fortunately murdered by Artorius Colbrand. Once he did, Artorius separated Coda from who gave him, from who gave him his purpose, his new purpose, Velvet. But Coda knows that's not true. He will find her, the person who gave him his new purpose in life. He will protect her even if it costs him his own humanity. Find out what happens on this adventure of vengeance or something more than just vengeance. Goal was to give this character a second chance at life to have someone who can be her support. And in quotations, I do not own any rights to Berseria or its characters, only the character Coda Raven I created. End quote. End bracket. And that's the, that's the description of it, yeah. 
but yeah, and sorry guys, uh, Ryan's a little bit uh, off, but yeah, um, when he comes back, uh, I'll be good. I was getting someone. Oh, it's okay. But did you hear? Yep. Okay. Okay. Well, what do you what do you think of the description? It was good. Um, I'm gonna read it. <laughs> uh, are Listen. you sure? You seriously gonna read it? Yeah. I'm sold. Yeah. You're sold on it now. Okay. Yeah. Now, I, I will say this before you think of before you go into it, like you're. It's not gonna be like most fan fictions you and I have probably read in the past, where they get like. Um, I don't know. Some fan fiction writers have a tendency, I don't know, to get like, you know, a little far. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, here's the thing, like there have been fan fictions I have read in the past that were interesting writing, but when they got straight to the points where they like, oh, you didn't, weren't going to let us know about a certain part. Like, for example, like describing, um, I hate saying this, a sex scene. Like, it's either, are you trying to describe it romantically or are you trying to describe it down and dirty or something? And it's like, oh my God, like, I can't read this. It's it's so disgusting. I, I have to just, I can't read this. Yeah, at least you're not doing a bunch of fan service. Okay. Oh no. Kind of stuff. I mean, okay, to be, here's the thing. Velvet Crow's outfit is a bit like edgy but I hate when people use that to describe her because she's not who you think she is. She's not edgy. And it's yeah. just, yeah, it may be an outfit with an exposed midriff, but that's not who she is, really. Not edgy at all. Hmm? She's not edgy. Hmm? Nothing. Oh, I thought you said not edge or something. Let's yeah. keep going. Uh, yeah, yeah, but, but anyway, like, yeah, like, immediately, like, when I'm written, like, the first seven chapters of it, which is pretty cool, um, it was, go- it was getting really, really interesting, actually, because, and I will actually read, uh, one of the comments from someone that left, um, and they love, and I love this comment, it's actually one of my most liked comments that I have, it's like, this person typed more, 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 and they said, oh, finally, I found a fic that doesn't make Velvet as a full-time cold-hearted girl (laughs) and when you play the game she is a little bit cold heart she is cold hearted in after her brother's murdered before her eyes but basically the description kind of spoils it for you but i i highly suggest everyone to go play the game or at least go watch someone's walkthrough on it on youtube uh one guy could recommend uh omega evolution he does amazing let's plays and walkthroughs i think he 100 complete them as well it's really cool yeah Um, it's really cool but yeah, I, I think you'd. Re- I think everyone really, really liked this adaptation of it with an added character that we're going through with it, and especially like to kind of like change the story a little bit. There's like lore, mystery. Um, there are there are exorcists. There are witch. A pirate joins your party. A demon swordsman joins your party. I think you'd love one of the characters, Ryan, who's a demon swordsman. You'd like him a lot, Ryan, because he's he's kind of a he's a he's called a yaksha, a war demon, for instance, but you kind of learn a little bit about what the place and why people turn into demons and stuff like that. So there's kind of a little bit like if anyone is confused at all about it, um, just read some of the chapters very, very carefully. And like, and if they don't like if they're, they're feel free to pop a question in the comments and I'll be happy to like respond to it as soon as I can. Yeah. But yeah, 
I mean, I highly suggest anyone read this. It's it, it takes you on an adventure. I feel like, yeah, and that and that's ultimately something bigger than I wanted to achieve with the story. Like originally, I was gonna change. Originally, I had a plan to change the ending a little bit, and I did that. I changed the ending a bit. I made um uh the main character who technically he is the main character, Coda Raven, who. I can give a accurate description of him when I was first designing him. He wears a black exorcist coat with red markings on his, on his sleeves. And at the bottom of his uh, exorcist coat, he has like sharp teeth markings that jut out of the back and uh, front of the uh, coat, which kind of gives that appeal of that. Yeah, he is the black and he's called the black exorcist later on because he's it. it it gets really interesting, but I don't want to really want, again, I don't really want to spoil too much to people who don't know, uh, or if they do, if they don't know, if they haven't read this yet, I'd highly recommend um, they read this. This will be, I'm, I've had a bunch of people who have read through this and have instantly liked chapter after chapter after chapter after chapter after chapter, and it's like, it's amazing how much they like it and stuff like that, but they want to continue reading this, and it's really good. And like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not like, mo- like most artists, I, if it's a character that I'm going to draw, I'm not going to draw them in like a fan service outfit. However, if they do have like a, um, if they do have a, um, an alternate outfit, that's not a problem. I will draw, I will draw an alternate outfit that they have. But if it's actually someone that someone threw together and say, oh, I can imagine this character is being very sexually attractive and stuff like that. No way I'm going to do that. Yeah, because a lot of fan fiction does that a lot. Uh, and it's just like, it's not, and that's not the point. And it's not what it should try to do. If you want to try to write a good story by being in the universe and stuff like that and stuff. So, yeah. I mean, a bunch like, of shipping. Like, <laughs> I ship. <laughs> now, I'm actually seeing a lot of people make original character ideas to put them in stories like My Hero Academia, for example. <clears throat> The thing is, when you do some of those ones, I usually see characters sometimes, and they've basically gave him all the powers in the world. They basically kind of make him the ultimate superhero in a way. And I'm like, that's not that, what my hero academia is about. That's not what it's about. And 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 it, one number one, it's you're right. It's not what that's about. Number two, if he's if he's so powerful, then he's not going to have any challenge. What's the that's point? Not, that's not the world that the creators of my hero academia put together. No, if we if we look at my like if my hero academia, I think which is probably one of the best new shonen mangas that I've read, and uh, one of the best. It's new not movies. Dragon Ball. <laughs> not, it's not Dragon Ball, but um, it is really good for like comparing to X Men, what it means to be a superhero almost. It's a modern day Dragon Ball, <laughs> kind of like that, but yeah. I mean, I would definitely. Um, I mean, it's it's definitely like. It shows you the kids or like the, our, our characters that we're watching go through challenges in life. And like that is kind of like the most inspirational thing for me is to like actually listen to inspirational people talk about that kind of stuff. It's like, oh, yeah, th- this is a pretty uh, inspirational thing. It's, it's a better story. Like Superman, for instance, like his only weakness, I think, is kryptonite or getting beaten yeah, down as kryptonite, well. Yeah. I mean, he can still get beaten down, even though the Kryptonite, like Doomsday, Doomsday is one of the toughest opponents for Superman, uh, and he's able to beat Superman down a lot, even without Kryptonite. So yeah, 
I mean, so that does prove that Kryptonians aren't necessarily invincible. But whereas we have someone like Omni-Man or Invincible, uh, where their race, apparently, they are super strong, even on a molecular level. I still want to watch that show. Oh, watch, dude, watch Invincible. It's awesome. But yeah. yeah. But yeah, anyway, guys, Tales of Berseria, Calamity's Hero. If you haven't read it, I highly suggest you read it. Or if you don't want to read it, you can play the game, Tales of Berseria. It's one of my favorite games in terms of character development and stuff like that. But yeah. Anyway. Yeah. All right. All right. That's it for that. And our final topic of the day mm-hmm. is a documentary that we are going to discuss called Blackfish. Yep, Blackfish. Now, in case you guys don't know, Blackfish was uh, 2000, it came out in 2013. It ha- the, the most recent um, reason what this is about, this was about an event that happened in February 2010 at SeaWorld Orlando. I remember where I was when I saw it on news. It was very jarring to hear, actually. I don't know about you, Ryan, if you heard about this incident as well. Yeah. With the, uh, with the whole... Uh, yeah, in case if you guys don't know, the victim involved, her name was Dawn Branchow. She was a senior trainer. I think she was a senior trainer at SeaWorld. Uh, I, I don't really quite remember off the top of my head. I, I know she... I, I because And I remember seeing Dawn Branchow as well. I remember seeing her face whenever I went to SeaWorld as a kid. So I remember her definitely and i have a very good memory of faces and stuff like that but yeah and it involved an unfortunate per, uh incident that co- from an animal uh named if you guys don't know him uh he's passed away right now but his name is tilicum in case you guys don't know he was a 35 i think 32 year old killer whale who he's dead now he died in 2017 of a uh, a certain kind of lung infection and it's common with marine animals. There's no cure. The, the problem is there's no cure to it. But it was probably better that uh, this happened to him instead of just uh, staying in captivity for like more than more years of his life. And stuff like that. Yep. But yeah, I mean, like I've, I've seen Tilikum. In case if you guys don't know, uh, Tilikum, he is actually, I think, SeaWorld's the largest killer whale in SeaWorld family. I could be wrong now because he's dead. But last time, last way I know, he was over six tons. That's 12,500 pounds. That's what I remember them saying he was. So, yeah, he was the biggest killer whale in the SeaWorld family. Yep. Yeah. In ca- and, guys, in case of you guys um, don't know, there have been reports that killer whale males have actually gotten bigger. But a little history lesson for you guys. I'm just going to talk about this a little bit right now. But basically, that documentary, um, it does tell some truths and some lies and some misleading information, as will some documentaries do, in my personal opinion. Yeah, documentaries are not always the most best at information gathering. Mm -mm. Like, if you want to really do a good, like, uh, reenactment of something like that, recreate the events and stuff like that. Try to recreate the events from what people have seen from anyway but yeah blackfish is mainly about the i i don't know about you ryan but i mostly felt a lot of negativity a lot of negative energy behind captivity and i agree with you there because there's a lot of negativity behind captivity of killer whales 
Yeah, I felt really uncomfortable watching this documentary a couple months back when I watched it. I was like saying that like, whoa, they really like do this to the animals and I feel so bad for the animals. Like, it's uh-huh. like I mean, if we think about it, you have to go back to around 1960 to around 1970 when they were first starting to be captured. Um, I, I don't know why, but it originally started like in 1966 with one killer whale. Uh, his name was Namu. He was the first caught killer whale that I know. Um, I, there may have been others, but he was accidentally snared in a fisherman's net and he was four tons. Um, <coughs> so someone uh, from Seattle Aquarium, uh, Griffin had a, uh, Ted Griffin, he is a whale capturer. Um he uh he of course bought namu apparently i guess they had him for sale it sickens my mind back then but um and this is when i first um the first documentary that i ever watched was it, it, now namu's story is not complaints told in blackfish which i really feel like should have been explained a little bit um but no yeah they definitely leave some stuff out <laughs> yeah and there's a lot of there's a and of course what they choose show is they show a lot of stock footage footage of the orcas being captured and stuff like that. There's a lot of stock footage of that because a lot of because not much of that stuff was documented, but they did record some stuff and stuff like that. But like one of the things that uh, Namu was so Ted Griffin he built a, a C pen, a basically a C pen, a floating C pen to transfer him to Seattle where his aquarium was, and then of course everywhere. If you go to Vancouver Island, like there's a lot of things about killer whales. Like they are, and, and they're beautiful when you look at them in the wild. Like it's nothing like you see them in captivity today and stuff like that, doing tricks and stuff like that. But um, yeah, of course, a reason I want to talk about it, killer whales have always been my favorite animal. I've always had a connection with them and dolphins, killer whales and dolphins. I've always had a connection with them whenever I was with, involved with marine operations and stuff like that, like marine life and stuff like that. I've always had that kind of connection of like, these are intelligent animals and like, but yeah, it all, it, I mean, Namu, the longest he lived in captivity was 11 months because he died because he contracted an infection brought on by polluted water in his pen. Um, yeah. Uh, that was in July, 1966. And, that, and after that, Ted Griffin, he continued to capture and sell killer whales, but eventually he quit the business. So, I mean, he, at least he had the mind to quit the business when he did. Um, so... Um, yeah. And, and after that, that's when I, that's when, that's where the stock footage of us seeing the whale captures comes in blackfish, where we see people throwing dynamite into the water to scare the whales and lure them into shallow waters, get these drift nets out and trap them in and then just pick out the babies stuff. I mean, yeah, like some of the stuff in blackfish was like really uncomfortable. Like, yeah, that's. I mean, that's pretty much, yeah, that, that is what happened, Ryan. And if you want to think about it, some whales have actually died during those captures. That's something that people don't necessarily tell about those captures. Well, if you freaking throw dynamite in the water. <laughs> no, exactly. Like, you're throwing dynamite in the water. Like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> it's, it's just like... Yeah, it, what the hell are you doing? Like? Well, it's not just that as well. When they're trying to transport... Like, these are big animals, Ryan. These are like... these. Or killer whales can be like at least 23 to the males, at least 23, maybe 30 feet in length. They're big animals. They're, they're not just small dolphins. They're big apex predators. And that's the thing is like, 
You have people putting these stretchers in the water take, and taking out the babies from their mothers. It's, it's very, very heartbreaking too. It's, it's, you, 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 you have to watch that. Like people have to watch that and say, that's not right. That's not right at all. I mean, I that's did. I was like, uh, um, like, freaking they mistreated the whales all the time and nobody nobody got caught (laughs) exactly and there's another instance where i want to talk about another whale that's just as popular as tilikum we all know him because we've watched the movie free willy i've watched free willy it's one of my favorite movies of all time um because of keiko the actual whale who started it yeah yeah keiko is he was actually a very, very, um, yeah, he, he, was, he was barely two years old when he was taken from his family off the coast of Iceland. So the fact is, yeah, and, and he, the fact is they caught, um, when they, they, they banned it, I, I think they did ban it in where they were capturing them originally in Vancouver, around Vancouver Island, Seattle, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But the thing I don't know if you know, Ryan, is the whales that they, that died during those captures, I heard I heard a rumor stories, and I read some stories actually that they cut them cut them open, let their bodies fill with water, tied rocks to their tails so they'd sink on the bottom. And I've seen footage of that; it's disgusting. I've seen like actual uh. image of the the rocks on the bottom and the whales just hanging there, so that so that. Because no evidence, leaving no evidence, leaving no evidence that say how they how this happened. Yep. They'd say, "Oh yeah, none of them have died in capture." Look at those images and, and just look up images. I'm I'm pretty sure if I I'm like I, I gotta look this up now. I gotta look this up now. Hang on a minute. Yep. <laughs> so if you want to get depressed, watch Blackfish. Well, okay, okay. Well, not save that title for until uh, after. Uh, uh, yeah, but um, do you want to continue a little bit with what you th- what you were hearing? Yeah, like one day, like like I understand what Tilikum did now because uh-huh. like he was like in captivity for so long, mm-hmm. and he just wanted to be free. Mm-hmm. Like SeaWorld, you know, I like SeaWorld. Yeah, it's, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to discredit SeaWorld either, but it's a really, really hard thing to think about. Like, okay, okay, I can't find the image. They may have removed the images because of like controversy and stuff like that. Yeah, controversy. But all I'm seeing is like actual images of when they used to capture them and stuff like that. You'd see them in these. And that's the thing, too. Once they were captured, they were taken to these small pools, and then they were being trained, like Keiko, for example. Uh, when Keiko was taken, uh, he went to Ontario, Canada, uh, from Iceland, and he was actually with six other orcas being trained for sale for amusement parks. Mm. Yeah, it's they trained them for sale. So you have to imagine that these are sea aquariums. They're looking for killer whales to, to attract audiences and stuff like that. So they're looking at the whales to see. They're not even caring about their well-being or anything. They don't care about the public or anything like that. Yep. And then, they don't that, that, care about the, well, the well-being of the animal and nothing no. like that. No, they just want something to be the star attraction. And what hits them well than a giant killer whale? 
I want the next Shamu, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, that name's got to die, and I'm sorry, that name has to die. Shamu. All right, Shamu. Well, I, I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm glad they, like, finally changed it, but yeah. <clears throat> yeah, and then they, because they, yeah, they stopped, they outlawed, I think, in Vancouver, no whale captures, I think. Hopefully there's no whale captures. But then they went to Iceland, where there are killer whales in Iceland. And that's where Tilikum came in. Tilikum was caught when he was two years old and he was already almost 12 feet long. Yeah. And then um, there is actually a couple images. There's an image in a book, actually. I don't know which book it is. But they put the, they put the baby, the young ones, they put this like moisturizing cream, like a kind of moisturizing cream to like try to um, calm the animal down, make sure it's not stressed or anything like that. But it just does. It yeah. doesn't. It's it's still not a right thing either, and it's just it's not a very um, it's not it's not a very uh, a pleasant sight, I should say, when you look at stock footage and stuff like that. But then that brings uh, Tilikum to one of the first instances. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say it's the first incident um, on record because there are a multitude of a, over one hundred and fifty cases with killer whales. Um, going after trainers, attacking trainers, or hitting them with their tails or anything like that, or even rip to just ripping off their wetsuits. I kid you not. Um, mm-hmm. And it, 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 that, that's the sickening thing. But yeah, but Tilikum's case, like Sealand of the Pacific, um, I never heard of this place, probably because, well, number one, I wasn't, I wasn't born at the time. Um, so, and of course they didn't, well, I, they didn't. Now, unlike SeaWorld, they didn't do uh, water work with the whales. That was before. Um, in case if people don't know about SeaWorld now, uh, SeaWorld used to do water works with the whales. But ever since Don Brancho's death and that incident, they have strictly said no water works with whales whatsoever. Good. And, but. And then that, that whatsoever that doesn't that means not even getting in the water with them. No more whale shows. Well, I mean that you you don't need to do you don't need to have like a like a whale. Well, just you don't have to be in the water just for a whale show with the whales if you don't want to. But I mean, I can under I can understand their um, the side of caution with it as well. Yeah. But um. I mean, just that's just the thing we got to think about this, Ryan, is like, I'm going to go on a scientific note. I'm going to I'm going to pause right here and go for a scientific note in case people don't know how smart killer whales are. They have a brain probably just as probably bigger than ours. So they're really, really smart. But they have a part of the brain that we don't, which is actually pretty interesting. And it's explained in the Blackfish documentary as well. They have a part of the brain that we don't. It's a family connection thing. So and that's the thing. If we look at a pod of killer whales today, if I show a picture of a pod of killer whales we see a couple males, we see a couple calves and stuff. Those male, the bigger males are actually not the fathers, really. They're a son of the mother of that pod. Because according mm-hmm. to a killer whale hierarchy, apparently a fem- the females are the more aggressive and they're the more dominant, the more matriarchal in the wild. Yeah. Now, if we look at the... In- Compare that to the instances at SeaWorld. Most of the incidences at SeaWorld were caused by female whales. And um, rarely, often, the males were 
world where males were involved with some of those, but they'd be involved with them as well. And that brings us to um, Sealand. Like you hear, for, when you watch the documentary Blackfish, you actually, those are people from Sealand and Pacific who worked with Tilikum. And they said he was very easy to work with. And it is true. I've actually seen this and read it. Male killer whales are very easy or to deal with because they're not as dominant as the females. But there was a training method that, and this is when I didn't know how they trained the whales as well. Mm. They did a training method where they'd have him follow another whale's action to try to do the same move. And if they both did it, they get treats. But if Tilikum didn't do it correctly and the whale did it, the other whale did it correctly, uh, they both wouldn't get uh, food, basically. It's like yeah, you do didn't it. Feed them. And that's mm. another thing that's a big problem is the feeding methods. Is it's just you don't just give a handful of herring if they've done a trick right. That's not a good husbandary thing, in my opinion. Just give them just give them fish daily. Yep, give them fish daily. Like, don't make it difficult for them to come to the air, come to the surface, and just. It's just not. I, I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm not a marine. I'm not a full marine biologist. I'm just a person who doesn't agree with that method. But in in which case, like when Tilikum didn't do the trick right and the whales didn't get fed, the two females he was with two other females. Um, I don't remember their names right off the bat, but there are images of all three of them together. And this is what's also another bit about confusing about the documentaries is all three of them have bent dorsal fins. So yeah, that's a thing. And that involves a case that came up at Sealand. And Sealand was actually, by the time, it was very, very disturbing, Ryan, because uh, Tilikum would get these rake marks. I don't know if you've heard about it in the documentary. Rake marks are when they- Oh yeah, their, like they like scratch each other. And, like, with their teeth. Yeah. With their teeth. Yeah, it's- it's when you look at it up close, it's pretty gnarly looking. When you when you look at how bad it is, sometimes like sometimes they bleed. It's, yeah. but yeah, normally they, and th- and that's what Sealand said. Like they they store them in, in what they called a module. It was like thirty feet deep, and the lights were all turned out, and they would just store them in there. And as they got bigger, it got a little complicated. And I guess that Sealand was looking for a way to sell the whales as well, but. You, you, you put them in a little concrete box for the rest of the night. That's messed up. I mean, I, they, even, even Sealand's director said it didn't feel right. So at least he noticed it didn't feel right. Like, yeah. But then, of course, Kelty Burns in, in, in incident happened. Um, now, for those of you guys who don't know or haven't watched Blackfish or anything like that, uh, Kelty Byrne was the first victim that Tilikum was involved with. He didn't kill her, but he was involved. But they say he was involved in the incident. Now, I can't spe- speak for speculation because I was not there to witness the event. So I'm only going off the most knowledgeable information that I have right now about that incident is that Kelty Byrne actually slipped and fell into the pool. And one of the two female whales, which are more dominant and can be more aggressive, female whales can be aggressive. Um, they went after her. I don't know if they grabbed her or not, but the main cause of her death was drowning. Now, in the documentary, there are two eyewitnesses that saw her, but they never really like fully described the one with the bent fin 
Now, when you look at Telecom's fin, it's bending down. When his fin is bent down, it's bent down to his left. Whereas, and but so are the other females as well. And they're all look pretty much the same. The small fin. Now, let me give you another scientific information. The male killer whales in the wild have the tallest dorsal fins, about five and a half feet in length. The smaller yeah. fins belong to immature males and females. Mm-hmm. So it's really hard to extinguish the difference if you don't know, unless without looking at identifying features on the whales. After that incident, there was like no questioning, which is, that's the thing, Ryan, is like, after that incident happened, there was like no questioning, which is weird. Yeah, no law enforcement came in. No questioning. Well, from what I heard, like they didn't want to treat it as like a murder investigation or something like that. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 very much like why would you not be interviewed for something that obviously just happened to someone? I mean, the end result for Kelty Burns, she wasn't mutilated or anything. She just she died of drowning. Uh, I don't know. I don't even want to go into the details of her murder because I don't know the details from the coroners or anything like that. All I know is that main cause was drowning. So the whales just basically drowned her, grabbed her and drowned yep. her. And that's what they can do. I've seen I've seen these guys play with dolphins and seals. I've So in no mo- down my mind that they can do it to a human as well. And there is one thing that the documentary actually says, that there is no, been doc- there is no attack in the wild. That is false. Because this documentary, before Blackfish ever came out, there was a documentary I watched previously called Beautiful Killers. And there is one scene in that documentary that there is only one documented attack in the wild. But I don't think it was intentional. So let's scrap the idea that killer whales don't attack humans. um, Because... Yeah. They may have mistaken the human... Blackfish... didn't have their information together. Not a lot of it, but yeah. And then, of course, like, of course, they were also trying to promote the movie Dila de Narenta's Orca, which I hate that movie. The, the music in that movie is really good. But I hate the movie regardless because it's a bunch of stock footage of a killer whale. Someone animatronic make it, makes you feel like you're watching Jaws in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. It, it makes you feel like you're watching Jaws. Except only this time the animal wins and the human dies. Eh. Yeah. I mean, the whole theme of that movie was vengeance, but it was pretty stupid in my opinion. Uh, a pretty way of showing, showing a beautiful creature just to be an alpha predator of just a killing machine when it was wrong. Completely wrong. Completely wrong. I mean, of course they're trying to show them off that Orcas do have teeth, yes, but they're not, sh- they are sharp, lacerated teeth, but they're also conical in shape. They're meant for gripping prey. And uh, it's the jaws and the head that mainly do the damage, and that tail does the damage too. And, the- mm-hmm. and they can body slam you too. It's crazy. I've seen it, I'm seeing them done it. It's crazy. And, but, um, <sighs> but yeah, anyway, after Kelty Burns' incident, Sealand completely shut down. You-, you probably know that too, Ryan. Like, Sealand shut down yeah. after that. Never opened up again, uh, and they sold. So, the what was the best thing they could do to the whales? Sell um, them. The Sea World. <laughs> Sell them, and yeah, they all. That's the thing. They all went to different parks, and one of the trainers. Now, I didn't. Now, I was never given a full. I think most of the public was never given a full description of why Tilikum went to Sea World after that. 
But the trainers said, one of the trainers that worked at SeaWorld Orlando said that they needed a breeder. So why would they need a breeder? I, I was like, so they just wanted him yeah, to Yeah, they breed. wanted Telecom to create more whales, basically. Yeah, but captive killer whales. The problem is some of these babies, they only know the captive world. They don't know the open ocean world, which is unfortunate for them. Unfortunate. And, yeah. And so that brings us to where um, Tilikum arrives in SeaWorld. Now, from what the trainers have told, um, some of them were working in Dolphin Stadium or the early Shamu shows when he arrived. Uh, when they said he arrived, he was actually viciously attacked by the other whales. And there is a reason for that because um, one of the whales that went after him, I know her, I don't know her personally, but I've actually had an encounter with her up close. Uh, one of them was Katina. Her, that's her name, Katina. She was taken from Iceland when she was three years old. So much like Tilikum, she is one of a residential killer whale that was taken from the wild. She's one of the oldest. And I, I think to date, she is still one of the oldest whales still alive in captivity, surprisingly. Yep. But she is like of, of, of the three artificial pods that they have in the SeaWorld parks, Katina is the matriarch of Orlando's. And she's had like, I think, six offspring. I think I could be wrong. Maybe more, maybe seven. But yeah, it's, um, it's pretty crazy. And, um, and uh, so they, so that, and that's why like a lot of the time, and it makes sense now when I was seeing it, like why he was in that back tank by himself a lot, or I think pool G is what they called it, um, where they do the dining with Shamu shows and stuff like that. Um, and the gates literally, when they, when they're trans, when they're separating them out, it, the gates have a physical barrier because they get, it's for their protection because they're beating him up. So and now that's given him more rake marks. It's giving him attacked more, but, and it's, it's, it's not a really good thing for him because I mean, they're pretty much <sighs> some, some of these whales that are in these artificial pods. They're not really, 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 really a family. If we think about it, um, it's, and that's the sad thing. You got some Southern residents, you got some Northern residents and you've got some ice, mostly Icelandic residents. Mm. So, and that's the thing. Each one of these whales come from a different family or the same family if they're still alive or as siblings together. Mm. That's the, and that's the unfortunate thing sometimes is like, um, I mean, it also, it also goes with like the shows have actually, some trainers have actually like had a couple of incidences prior to the fatalities that have happened. Like there've been some instances where I've seen some shows go wrong. Uh, like some people actually prevented from getting out of the water. What the whales will do is they'll jump around preventing the trainer from getting out of the water. They won't hurt the trainer. They're just going to prevent him from getting out of the water. Out of, I, I assume it's out of frustration or anything like that, but we don't know. It's, it's hard to tell, but uh, in one sense, um, like I've, I've seen, like even the documentary shows you one guy, his face is covered in blood. I think like he, he you don't know if he got hit in the head by something or not, but it's definitely like you see them. It's like getting off a horse almost. It's, it's, that's pretty much like that, that, that connection there is getting off the horse and getting back on it or something like that. I think that's how they described it. But mm -hmm. like 
I, I feel like such an idiot when I was, um, actually, no, I didn't feel like an idiot. Uh, even when I was young, when I, when I went to SeaWorld and stuff like that, like I remember reading historical information about these animals in the wild and stuff like that. And then when you talk to someone in captivity early in the years, like in the early, you talk to someone in the park about them, they, they have something, they have some information that is kind of like, wait, what? So who do you believe? A historical accurate, uh, informational site that is actually crediting the person who has reportedly seen this and has reported it or do you trust a park a an aquarium or park owner's information if it's not going to give you historical accurate information yeah i mean yeah i mean i I think i talked a little bit do you want to talk a little bit about oh um i yeah i agree with everything you're saying dude like they needed to get their facts straight. They need to get their historical, like documentaries, need to do better on getting their facts right. Mm-hmm. They do, especially when it comes to informational sources as well as like that. As like, uh, that's the thing. Is like, this is something I felt like, and this is I'm not again. I'm not hating SeaWorld on this, but if I felt like if I worked at SeaWorld now and before Tilikum, like done something and SeaWorld didn't decide to tell me what happened uh past events i probably questioned i was like hey um before i work with these animals is there um any uh instances that have happened that i should be aware of in case it happens to me uh and one instance was um a guy uh a guy was actually crushed between crushed between two killer whales uh, I don't know if you saw that video, little uh, video footage, right, Ryan? Where they showed the guy riding the whale and then one of them comes over and crashes right on top of him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They that, saw that, that in the documentary. Yeah, his name is John Sillick. Uh, he was seriously injured. Um, the whale landed on him during a show. He suffered, uh, I'm reading what, the, what, what his, uh, his injuries were. He suffers uh, fractured pelvis, a femur, and ribs. I mean, if you and I and I won't, I won't, I won't tell anyone about it. I want people to see, um, I want people to see it themselves because there's the actual video itself. You're gonna have to look for it online, right? Because there's a bunch of things that came to life uh, with, um. When Blackfish came out, but that was actually one of the first videos I actually watched before this document, before Blackfish ever showed up. And I remember seeing that video. I was like, "That whale seriously land on him?" And yeah. instead of leap, instead of leaping over, they said that that whale was twelve thousand pounds that crashed right on top of him. And when that's the thing, I've seen that video actually in actual live time and in actual slow motion, and it's it's such a it's jaw dropping. Mm. I mean, like, and that's like, it's such a, like a, a jaw dropping thing when you see it in person, it's just like, um, and, and the, and I mean, I think he's, I think he suffered, I think he had to have multiple operations on, on because of that injury, but, um, I, it's just, and they didn't think to, and SeaWorld, I guess, didn't think to mention it to them. I'm like, why wouldn't they tell you guys about instances that have happened before in the past? 
Like I think um, one of the uh, couple instances as well, um, back when uh, Shamu, the original Shamu was alive, um, mm-hmm. there was an incident with that whale, that female orca. Um, someone was going to ride her, a pedestrian, uh, a person was going to ride her back and then she gets slammed into the water and the whale completely uh, pushes her um, from, uh, from escaping, just not, not attacking, just preventing them from escaping. And when you see the full vo- footage of that video compared to Blackfish's version where they kind of summed up what happened, but the trainers managed to get her away from the whale. And when they, she was trying to get out, the whale uh, Shamu bit down on her leg and wouldn't let go. You actually see in the footage, you see the whale grab her leg. Yeah. Yeah, you, I'm pretty sure you saw that too, Ryan. That, that footage I did. Well. It's in the documentary, but they yeah, heavily edited it. Yeah, they heavily edited that scene. I've actually watched the full video of that scene, and it's pretty jarring. You he, like, And that's the thing. They, they forced the whale to open its jaws, and the only... Um, inflicted injuries was i think lacerations on the leg because of the teeth had punctured her because the way because shamu bit down on her leg mm-hmm. i think i think i think that whale was named shamu that was a part of that incident but yeah shamu was always rough and hard to handle because ted griffin was the first person who caught her was the person who caught her and then he sold her to SeaWorld san diego but yeah i mean like it's just like you go back and think about it it's like that you don't you don't you think this is a bit of a concerning issue yep <laughs> but yeah and then um the incident that happened i think in 2006 with, with one of the main ones is ken peters with um ken peters and kasaka kasaka is deceased now unfortunately but she was one of the oldest whales i think she was a more dominant whale at the SeaWorld san diego park i believe and, um, of course, you have members from OSHA as well, reviewing this as well. Um, Kasaka's incident is, a, is not as much described as people think it is. Kasaka was actually with her a calf, and they separated the calf from... Uh, what, from what more detail is they separated the calf from, the, uh, from her, and she didn't want to perform, but trainers were like, show must go on. And she must have been frustrated that she didn't want to do it, so... Um, she grabbed Ken Peters, who is an experienced diver. She grabbed his foot and she pulled him to the bottom of the tank. And when you see the footage, you saw the footage, Ryan, but, Mm. uh, it's pretty jarring. You, I mean, it's not, when I see it, it's not aggressive, but it's still like, you see him just being like a rag doll in her and like his, he's at the mercy of Kasaka. Yep. It's like it's and the like, whales are the most powerful sea creatures in the world. Like they're very smart. They're very uh, they're very smart. They're yeah. very clever. Um, yeah, it's it's just like, but it's just like anyone that doesn't know, and that's the thing people should know. But when but when you keep watching that footage, like Blackfish, I think has almost the full footage of that. But um, of course, Ken, the whale brings him back to the surface. Now, when I see that footage of her turning around with him in his mouth, with him in her mouth the first time, the first time they go down, um, I'm thinking she's not viciously killing him. If she wanted to kill him, she could rip him apart, rip him apart if she could have. Yeah. Like, yeah, he has her foot. Like, yeah, she has his foot. But she could have 
easily ripped him apart, but she didn't. Yeah. I don't think that's what she wanted to do. But then, of course, he brought she brought him back up to the surface as well, let go of his foot, grabbed his other foot again, dragged him back down to the bottom of the pool, and they came back up again. And um, I think I think that the the main showroom the the main show tank in uh, uh Sea World at that at that at that park I think is two atmospheres of pressure. I don't know how deep that is, but it's a pretty deep pool. It's a pretty deep pool. I actually um. I have to say one thing. I went to SeaWorld Career Camp. This is a bit of off topic. I went to SeaWorld Career Camp, Career Camp, and they actually made us do some water drills, which to understand like what it means to be in the water, uh, to do a show performance and stuff like that. And of course, we did not go in the Hillerell tank, but we went in the Dolphin Stadium uh, tank, Whale and Dolphin Stadium tank. That's what it was previously called. I think it's called something else now. But we, I went in that pool and it was a pretty deep pool it was about i think maybe more than 20 feet deep of a pool yep and yeah we were doing water drills in that and it's it's a little bit um you get a little bit like thinking like is this what people do in these tanks and stuff like that i mean it's it's a big tank it's a pretty deep, deep pool but you got to keep like kicking you got to stay at the surface this is like almost like ocean level like stay on the surface kind of thing but still pretty cool to be like behind the scenes of SeaWorld and see that and stuff like that so i've been in one of those tanks yeah. uh so yeah i and it is true i have been in one of those tanks not in, not in this the killer whale tanks obviously it's far yeah. too cold you know you need a wetsuit to be in those tanks i think those waters are like maybe 50 degrees cold or something yeah um but yeah dolphin stadium well dolphin stadium is what i've been in um yeah. And, um, but yeah, after back to Ken Peters and Kasaka, um, of course we see, uh, Kasaka let go of his feet. And of course he's trying to, he, when you see him in the footage compared to like most other trainers is situations like it's obviously Ken Peters was very professional and how he was handling about like that. Like he, he probably knew, he probably knew what was going on. So he just remained calm in it. Yeah, and it's um, it's crazy, and then bro. and then uh, and then of course, like when you see the line drawn, and then you see him actually when the whale has got his back turned, he swims for it, and it's like, of course, like yeah, but Kasaka was not trying to kill him, in my opinion. I mean, I think he suffered a lot of leg bone wounds. I think I think his foot was broken or something. Yeah, because I mean that whale pretty much grabbed him by the foot. Yep, and that's the thing. Yeah, and he, he couldn't stand really. But uh I mean like but what do you think of that incident overall? Uh yeah, pretty pretty crazy, man. Like and that gives you the I mean if it were me in that situation, I'd be very, very scared. I I I I, I would be very, very scared. I'd be yeah. like, am I gonna am I gonna die or am I gonna I, I, there's no way I'm going to get away from this animal. It's too big. It's too powerful for me to just swim away. Do I just wait or do I die? I don't know. Yeah. And Ken, obviously, like, it took a lot for him to become like that. It would have taken a lot for me to become like 
in that it, situation. It, it would like you like especially like when you were just basically I mean unlike in the wild I've seen killer whales grab like the way how Ken Peters was being treated underwater by Kasaka I've actually seen that that killer whales when they beach themselves or when they take seal pups from shallow water and stuff like that they grab them and like I've actually seen a killer whale beach itself to grab a sea lion pup and I just see it shake its head consistently constantly and it's very much more violent than you guys think it is. It yeah. is actually because they're not, they're not really, because not only do seals have a very nasty bite as well, they, what predators really want to do is they want to try to get, get food, make the kill and not get injured themselves. So it's obviously, this is a method to say, I'm going to shake this guy until he's just not con- conscious at all. And I, and, he, and I eat him. Yeah. So yeah, it's just, it's a, it's a it's a very drawing scene, and I highly suggest Ryan we can we look up how wild killer whales actually hunt sea lion pups because it's very interesting how they hunt sea lion pups and dolphins too. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's it's actually a hunting method, and it's really an interesting hunting method if you, how you see it too. Yeah, but yeah, I mean that aside as well. Yeah, I mean, uh-huh. yeah, Ken Peters and his incident is probably like. I give I give that person very much respect for handling that situation very very yeah. <laughs> I mean it's but it's ob- but what this is obviously showing us is it's not just Tilikum. It's not just Tilikum that's just doing these events. It's, he's not or he's not involved with these. There are other whales that are also doing these things and they're all ticking time bombs in a way. Well, that's why they're not allowed to go back in the water and see world because yeah. of all those things. Uh-huh. Yeah. That and happened. now and now I know we're kind of and guys, I know, for audio listeners, I know we're kind of summing up our of a blackfish a little bit and stuff like that, but we're just summing up the basic events and kind of historical features that it's kind of like not uh telling you about. And um now John Branch's incident. I really am going to struggle to talk about this one, Ryan. So if you want to jump in a little bit, you can. It's really, really hard for me to talk about it because I've seen the footage before she's grabbed by him. Yeah. I was really like, when I was watching Blackfish, I was like, well, that really happened. And like, that, like, it's like, oh, it's on YouTube. Really, it's really graphic, man. It's, yeah, it's it's real. There's some footage that's not really graphic. I don't know any footage, or I've never seen any footage of um of her being shaken. But from one of the trainers who was there on site, he grabbed after the show. He grabbed her arm. They did a playful session. He grabbed her arm rolled oh that's from what i'm hearing from the trainer he rolled over and and that's when she was doomed he brought her into the pool yeah yeah and that's and um i can read um don rancho's uh injury report uh the main cause of her death was um drowning and blunt force trauma yeah so so you know what that means right I mean, there are the disturbing details. Yeah. I mean, it's like if you go back and if even if you watch the documentary, you'll read it like when basically when Tilikum 
basically, this is, goes back to the theory I have when killer whales are hunting seals or grabbing seals. Tilikum probably just grabbed Don's arm and that's when it happened. Yep. He probably shook her like a ragdoll. Started shaking her, yep. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And according to the reports, the arm he grabbed from her, the muscle was gone. Like pulled off the joint from supposedly that's going to be a little graphic, but yeah, pulled off the joint. He basically dislocated her arm. Yeah, I mean, like, and even so, they know it was drowning as well that she drowned as well, but they believe as well that it may have been a sudden incident as well, like a sudden hit of blunt force trauma as well. So that may have been a sudden way to, like, so that she didn't have to suffer. Is what I'm trying to say. Is like, I hope it wasn't a suffering incident yeah and you like you hear one of the trainers in the documentary like from the other park he hears that dawn was attacked and he still has her it's i've heard that story from other people as well like there was one person that was dawn's close best friend he managed i think she i think it's a he or she i forget but that person managed to lure tilikum to the quarantine pool where they put him to get Don's body out of him, out of his mouth. And um, so, yeah, they must have got, she, that person must have gotten her body out of his mouth. And I, I feel very conflicted. I do not blame either Don or Tilikum for, and of course, we're, we're, of course, I don't know if you guys know, we're, we're skipping over some details that are explained in the documentary. Yeah. So go back and watch the go back and watch the scene that scene in Blackfish of how the trainers are describing the the scene. Or if you really want to watch that scene, go on YouTube and look up uh, on YouTube before Don Brancho's. Uh, just type in Shamu Show before Don Brancho is attacked, and they actually have like there's a video footage of it, and it's no joke. It was actually a Shamu Show that was recorded before that happened. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, and I remember one of the OSHA report guys, like they were saying, like they were looking at the Kelty Burn incident and they were looking at Don's and nothing's changed in the 20 years when that happened. Yeah, like it was really like hard to watch some of it. Especially like when the hardest thing for me is when you hear the peep that one of the trainers, like when he said like, Silicon grabbed her arm and like you even see in the footage what looks like where her arm is like there is actually a video of uh and i kid you not guys if you look it up don brancho look at don brancho and Tilikum before uh he kills her uh, hang on a minute let me look it up for a minute um you see, um, and yeah, and you see it, it's in the perimeter pool. It's a very famous image as well. It's, but yeah, you see her and then you see his nostrum or his nose a little upward. That, that me thinking, I can clearly tell he's got her, he's got her in his, in his mouth. And, uh, and after that point, that photo was, that image was taken. That's when he, uh, he made the strike. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But after that, um, I just know it was a big court case, a big deal. Um, they're trying to make, um, what would I put this? Uh, 
they're trying to make everyone um I, I don't know how to say this because I don't want to be offended or anything like that. But like, of course, there were the first reports going around saying what happened at SeaWorld, a trainer was attacked or something like that. And the first instances I remember them actually saying, and I remember them saying this on the news too, that she slipped and fell in the water. And I was like, what? That happens all the time. Like sometimes slip and fall in the water. But I was a kid back then and I didn't know because I just used to watch the people and the whales and the shows and stuff like that. But um, he was yeah. trying to cover it up. Yeah, um, I don't hate. I don't know why they would do that though. That that's, it's not a thing I'd like. And then and then that's the thing is like say then there's the next story is like, he grabbed her ponytail. Like, there is no proof that he grabbed her ponytail. If you look at that image before the the event happens, Don's ponytail is on the right side of her body. And he is no way in reach of it. Yep. If, if, if you ask me, Ryan, I don't know. What do you think of that? Uh, I, I gotta watch the footage again, but because mm-hmm. I literally watched Blackfish and then I was like, well, not watching that again. That was depressing. But... Well, well, if you do, like, go to the last, go to the last, um, go to near the end of it to see of Philip. Like Don Brancho's case and stuff, how they're making it a big, bigger deal than it is and stuff like that. Yeah, it was like court case was like big back then. I mean, there are just some things I just. I mean, I don't care if SeaWorld wants to exile me from a park or not. I don't hate them. I just disagree with why cover it up. Why nah. would you? Why Honestly, would you I don't lie? have to admit it, but yeah, why would you cover it up? <laughs> why would you lie about an incident that happened? Is it because you still want these animals to look like well? And, and I mean, we got to think about this, Ryan. When we go to the when we go to Sea World when we were kids, what did we see a lot of? Shamu dolls, Shamu, Shamu dolls, and uh, toys and a bunch of collectibles and stuff. Even in, I admit, I had a. I bought some Shamu stuff, so yeah, I. So I'm not. It's because the orcas were marketable, like very marketable. Mm-hmm. Because no one ever saw them before. No one ever saw them in the wild, so captivity and they became like the poster icon of SeaWorld. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, and that's um, and and that, but that being said, like even though I don't blame, and like they blamed Don, and like I remember one of the trainers who. I've actually am starting to read this trainer's book. Um, I forget his name. He worked at one of the parks. I think he worked at um, San Diego. Uh, one of the books was dedicated to a whale. He was very close to there as well. Um, he trains them and stuff, but they don't own them. SeaWorld owns the whales, technically. That's the sad thing is the SeaWorld owns the whales, not the trainers. I mean, but yeah. the trainers go in the water with them and stuff like that, and they have a bond with them. But it's like, no, nah, at the end of the day, you're a trainer. Yep. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the sad thing. Was, that's sad. Yeah. It's it's and if you look at it not from the amusement park perspective, look at it from the business perspective. And this is a pretty. Sh- this is the very dark shadow of business in a way. One of the dark shadows of business, in my my personal opinion. 
Like they don't care about people. They don't care about the animals. Mm-mm. No, but this is this is like a lot of mistakes in the past that they have. They sh- they need to own up to, in my opinion. Because number one, if you have like new people to train these animals, and if there have been incidences that have been happened before, why not tell someone? Why not tell them what they're gonna have to expect in the future? Yeah. Like, uh, let me uh, look up something. If you want to voice an opinion, Ryan, I'm gonna look up something real quick of something I didn't talk about. Yeah, just talking about it again. It's like you know, it's really hard to talk. About. Yeah, I mean, I'm. I mean, you can hear it in me, like right now. Like, it's hard for me to talk about this because I don't want to it's really hard it's just yeah like i can read uh the record reports um there is a uh website um there have been violent incidences with the whales and stuff like that yeah it's um i don't know if this one's up to date but this one yeah, this one's got a couple incidences and stuff. And there's well, another there's another fatality that happens that's explained in the documentary that was never I f- I felt was never brought the light of day from uh, oh, uh Laurel Parquet, which is in Spain. Uh, SeaWorld does not own that park. Oh I yeah, the Spain SeaWorld. Yeah, yeah. Or right, Laurel Parquet, whatever. That was crazy. Yeah. like in the documentary, nuts. Yeah. They didn't. They didn't even like. They try to hide it. Like, no. Well, the problem is the orcas that were in there. They were from SeaWorld, but they didn't have enough. Um, from clearly what you see in the footage at the Spain tournament at the Spain uh show, it's obvious they did not have a lot of incidents. Uh, not a lot of um trainers. Tra- uh, training, training regardless with the animals. So yep. nothing was ready. Like, like if, okay, I've, I've pulled up the reports now, Ryan. Uh, there is 153 incidences that have happened in captivity. Wow. Yeah. And some of these actually involve videos. Like one of them is actually a, um, it's an incident report. Uh, this one happened in December of 2012. It was 152. This is at the Miami Sea Aquarium. I don't know if you know about this, Ryan, but there is a killer whale there named Lolita. She is, she's, she is one of the oldest killer whales still alive, but there's been a, like a petition for her to like free her from that small tank. And there is a video, um, I'm looking at it right now. It's 14 seconds long, but if you cut to, I think, at 11 seconds, no, it's seven seconds, you actually see her pop her head out of the water and she snaps her jaws. But luckily, there was a protective barrier, a protective glass barrier there. So, but yeah, you see her just pop her head out of the water and just snap her jaws. It's... um. It's, it's, it's absolutely a very jarring scene if you see it, Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. 
I may have Bye. to go down the rabbit hole again. Why? And research all this stuff again. Cause... Uh, yeah, like, like if you actually want to look at the reports, Ryan, um, the report, the reports are, are called an inherently wild. Well, I'm pretty sure if you just look up aggressive instances, you'll find them. <coughs> but yeah, there's over 153. The last one that I know that is to date is September 2015. That's the latest one. So and where and where we're like in now what 2021? Yep. So Sea World might have been like no more Shamu shows without with trainers. We can't do them. I mean, uh yeah, that's the that's the thing, Ryan, is that there is um because of the dawn incident. Well, yeah. A- after that, I immediately saw SeaWorld trying to change their shows um, to a more educational thing, which is a lot better, in my opinion. I mean, it's still the same waterworks show. Uh, not with not the same, but obviously with, with Trains in the Wild or anything. It's whale. It's just the whales doing, but it's actually giving more historical facts than ever. I've seen a video uh, showing, like, the SeaWorld San Diego has a whole projection show it's more scientifically accurate than and i like that actually so they still do it but not with like the flips and all the you know like tricks and you know the trainers and stuff they still do it but well at least they're trying to bring more, more educational well yeah at least they're tr- at least yeah at least they're trying to be uh, more educational in a way instead of a performance yeah. or trying to but still uh, in the end, it's still a performance thing. So it's still a business to them. It's still a business, yeah. I mean, like, if we think about it, Ryan, as of like, I think now, um, I was watching a uh, another um, thing about Blackfish as well, because um, apparently, I think at least 22 or maybe 23 million people have watched this documentary. Yeah. And it's just absolutely amazing. And the uh, the aftermath of it uh, for SeaWorld after after Blackfish, I think, dropped significantly because I heard a lot of negative things right after Blackfish came out. What about the park experience? Like, um. No, uh, money. What? I think I've, I think it was financial wise. <laughs> I, okay, like, yeah. So here, people uh, stop yeah. going. Yeah, six years after SeaWorld was sued for allegedly deceiving uh, stockholders about damaging the impact the Blackfish documentary was having on them park attendance, a federal judge on Friday approved a sixty-five million payout to aggress aggrieved investors that's 65 million dollars yep that's a lot oh man so they gave the investors 65 million dollars yeah and in a sense like yeah they lost money okay yeah in a sense they lost like uh more than uh yeah they lost more than they lost a lot of money they lost a lot of money. Well, 
<laughs> I mean, I mean, well, okay, yeah, here it is, right here. So the documentary Blackfish, yeah, and then there after that, there's a dramatic decrease in the stock price. It's fluctuating, but it's there's a dramatic decrease in the stock prices. And then I think as of July, around 2014, here it says, the corrective disclosure filed against SeaWorld, it drops straight down, Ryan. Like it drops straight down and class at in a class action, but it's still rising up again, but it's it's going downhill. So I can only imagine what it looks like uh now i don't want to know what it looks like because but that's that's a sudden that's such a sudden impact on sea world sea world yep i mean yeah but i mean ultimately at the end of the day of course the course files and stuff let's say um at the end of the day they basically um i think they they said that sea world cannot have trainers in the water with the whales um, and that they are just to strictly that, and that, that was the new thing that they would do. No, no trainers in the waters of the whales. And, um, I think they isolated Tilikum for about a year now. They, they, they isolated him for a year after I think Dawn's incident. And then they started returning him to shows. And then it's, it's really heartbreaking. I feel sorry. I, I, and that, that's the thing. I don't blame him for killing Dawn. And I don't blame, I don't blame either one of the instances themselves. Yeah. yeah like you feel bad for the trainer. You feel bad for the animals. Exactly. And like... Exactly. And it's just like, and that's the thing. I feel so sorry for Tilikum because he should never have been at SeaWorld. In my opinion, he and every one of these whales that were shipped to SeaWorld, they should have never been there. If none of them were there, I guarantee you this wouldn't have happened. Nope. I guarantee, I, and that's the thing. I think, I don't know if many people can agree with me that if we didn't have one of these animals in captivity, none of these instances would be happening. Because orcas are meant to be in the wild. Orcas are not meant to be in captivity. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, um... Yeah, I think I went I went back to SeaWorld. I went to SeaWorld's career camp. I think, yeah, I told you when I was in high school because you you saw uh, my PowerPoint presentation, what I did yeah. over the summer. Yeah. Um, that was before I knew anything about their practices and stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, I, I actually went behind the scenes around a lot of SeaWorld. I'm not going to say a lot of things because... I don't want to say what goes on or anything. It's not that I'm hiding anything or anything like that. It's just, you know, they show you it. You don't really want to be accused or anything like that of miscalculations or anything like that. And then you don't, and you don't want to make, and I don't want to make their lives and our lives, even if someone does listen to this part of the documentary and just like says, say, Oh, I'm going to protest SeaWorld because they're doing things they shouldn't do or anything. I'm like, hold on a minute. I'm not saying they're the bad guys. And I think I, and, and that's the thing. None of us are the good guys. There's no good or bad guy. I mean, yeah, we're capturing killer whales in the wild and bringing them to these parks, but yeah. holding them in captivity. Yeah, it's, yeah. And I feel sorry. 
And so, of course, you and I, who were watching the documentary, of course, he still remained at SeaWorld, which is unfortunately. Um, they couldn't do a thing, which is an idea I've actually thought of. Like, why haven't people thought about doing this again? This is one thing that they actually did before. And they could do it again if they want to. And that's my personal opinion. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and this is where I'm going to compare another killer whale story to Tilikums in a little bit, what they could have done with Tilikum, right? Keiko, when he was being rehabilitated, he went to Oregon. He was originally in Mexico, but they brought him to Oregon Coast Aquarium and they built a huge tank for him. And it wasn't a performance tank. It was a medical tank for him because in Mexico, he he developed a skin rash called a papillomavirus. Yep. It was on his, it was on his uh, pectoral fins and his tail, but the only reason it was being called, it caused, it was being caused by the artificial salt water. <coughs> Excuse me. That was far too warm for him. Yep. And because they thought the virus may be contagious, they couldn't transfer him to a park with other killer whales without exposing them. So it makes sense that regard. And with no facility available, the foundation, the Free Willy Foundation, actually searched for a coastal site for him. And Oregon and the tank was actually there. Now, once he was actually being healed and having a better diet and having the freedom from the stress of performing, all contributed to it. Now, that's the thing as well. One of the ideas they actually proposed, and they didn't do this, he could live in a fjord protected by a sea pen so that he can learn to survive in the wild. Now, the problem with that is it ultimately kind of failed because Tilikum or Keiko, I meant, Keiko was still attached to humans closely and he wasn't really attached to other killer whales. And, the, and as well, he, I think he was taken away 20, from 20 years of being captured. So he's lived with by himself most of his life and just in the company of humans. Yeah. So that's, it's very hard. But one of the ideas and... Um, that I suggest, I, I haven't suggested, but a lot of scientists have actually suggested this idea for a lot of these whales to retire from the stress of performing is there's a bunch of section areas that are really large of bodies of water that you can cordon off to make a retirement for these killer whales so that they don't have to have the stress of performing. Like they can live their final days or they can live the rest of their lives in this it's not going to be 100% perfect, yeah, but at least they would have the freedom from the stress of performing. Yeah, I think that'd be much better for the killer whales. Yeah, like, I think I think they suggested maybe, like, I think 500 feet long, maybe. I don't know. Maybe longer, even. Long. But I that would be my idea, like a long body of water section area so they can get used to swimming long distances because that's what they do in the wild. They swim in long distances. Yeah. And yeah, it's, uh, I mean, uh, it's, I mean, yeah, I mean, and, and so far ever since Blackfish, like, and ever since Keiko, ever since Keiko, when they did that idea for Keiko, none, no one's ever done that ever since, which is just, Crazy to me. Which is just, why not try it again? Why not try it? Why not try it? 
if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. If you if you just try it and see how it goes, just let them. Yeah, I mean, obviously you can't let them go completely into the wild because how are they going to survive? Let them live their lives in captivity comfortably. I mean, like it's not a very good method. It's not a very um a good method to just leave them in those tanks. Yeah. And and that's the thing because also with killer whales, killer whales water environment is very very different than how it is those tanks. Those tanks are colored, those concrete tanks are colored blue, so you can see the animals in them, I think. I think it's so you can see the animals in the tanks. Yeah. Whereas Tillicum's pool, where he originally was in, he was in G pool, the perimeter pool with dining with Shamu. That pool originally had like it originally looked like a coastal. It looked like a bio, like you see in Zoo Tycoon when you make a bio, a bio, a biome considerable for like uh, animals and such. Yeah. But in but when they upgraded the pool, they just went to straight blue. They just they they didn't they didn't even give them like an a look of like why not put maybe rocks or like maybe like some kelp to simulate an environment i could probably guess why but you can also create like artificial non-harmful uh environments i've seen it done before (laughs) but yeah but yeah ultimately like and of course, we, we see at the end of the documentary, to wrap up the, our, our talk about this overall, like, of course, SeaWorld obviously did not want to be um, uh, any part of this documentary, as we saw, we clearly saw. Yeah. They said it at the end, I think, that SeaWorld did not want to be interviewed. No, they didn't. And I can only imagine why. Yeah, they want to make money <laughs> still. Yeah, I don't know what the stock park pro- prices is now, but it's probably I, I I'm not making a guess on that because I'm not going to judge. But from from what I saw here, it it was obviously going down ever since Blackfish came out, and it's probably been fluctuating ever since then. Yeah. But yeah, I just I hope I mean, and of course, when I found out Silicon died in 2017, I felt. So heartbroken. I was like, not him, not him of all all the whales. Just not him. Because I really, really liked Tilikum. Tilikum was my favorite killer whale before uh, the incidences and stuff like that. Yeah. He was my he was my favorite killer whale at SeaWorld. He was awesome to look at. He was beautiful. He was he was incredible. But. I mean, I can only hope that someone steps up to do the right thing to try to propose a good idea. To propose a, I'm sorry, uh, to propose, propose a good idea for the betterment of these captive whales. Now, there are some good things, actually, when they said this, Ryan, like, as of the end of 2016, they have officially, SeaWorld officially said they're stopping their breeding program of captive killer whales. So they're not making anymore. 
they're not, but that doesn't, but China is. Yeah. China's, I don't know if you know, China's actually doing a breeding program for mm. killer whales. Yep. Not, I don't really like it. You're going to start another blackfish incident. Yeah. It's, it's, it's to me, it's just only, it's just only a matter, matter of time. Matter of time, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, all sad things aside, like, as for Tilikum, Kasaka, who have died on the same year, um, both of those whales rest in peace. Um, I, I hope now that they're in a better place and they are swimming free. Yep. That they're, that they're at, that they find peace, that they, that they have found peace. All right. Um. All right. Yeah. So apologies, guys, if this went really, really awesome and exciting <laughs> to very, very deep and like depressing. Yeah. But we we thought we'd, we we because we, we had I we talked about this and we went, we wanted to talk about it for a, a while now and voice our opinions about it. And it's just like, yeah, it's uh, it's something. I'll just say that. Um, but, but yeah, yeah, guys, we promise that we'll be a little bit more chipper next yeah. episode. Yeah, really? next episode definitely will be a more just positive thing that we're used to talking about and stuff like that. But we it's just, just we yeah. just wanted to talk about this documentary that just was on our minds. I I know that it's been on the game's mind for years, and it's been on my mind for like a year. Yeah, I and just wanted to talk about it. And the fact that now uh, more and more people are coming to light with information and stuff like that, that is more scientifically accurate and stuff like that. It kind of brings back up the topic and stuff. You got to, you got to rethink this. You got to go back and watch and rethink. Is it really a good idea to support this idea or not? No, I mean, but, but in my opinion, uh, if someone were to ask me, do I support killer whales being in captivity? I'd say flat out now. I don't. It's not a good environment. They should just be, you know, live life comfortably whenever they can, you mm-hmm. know. But mm-hmm. it, oh, isn't absolutely. retirement captivity in the wild, you know? But yeah, I mean, like for Keiko, I mean, he was he was no longer a show whale, like. After he left Mexico, when he went to Oregon, he was no longer considered a show animal. He wasn't performing by trainers. He was he was performing, yeah, but he was performing on his own. He was doing leaps by himself, diving and leaping. He was basically just doing that on his own, and for and and having a better diet and the freedom of the stress of performing, all contributed to his healing factor. And then the virus was gone within the year the skin yeah. virus he had it was gone within the year he made a full recovery i think gained uh two more pound uh uh two more tons and then they brought him to uh iceland where his home water where he originally was caught off of and even yeah. showed him the area they went with him he followed the boat got to experience the ocean water he was retired so he was acting pretty much like a normal killer whale in the wild yeah yeah and that's really great and We'll leave on that note. We'll leave on we'll leave on a positive note, guys. Yes. So yeah, anyway. I've been Keeks Cosplay and Art. 
I've been Ryan Wolfgang. And we'll see you guys later. Yep.